This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. To bring up anything, it is Ian here with you. And Sam. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on the site we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Show is about your calls. Otherwise, we will talk about things that are interesting to us. And you know what? It's been a week where we've been able to feature a little bit of good news on the program. We had a little bit last night and about that. There was a Supreme Court decision. Uh, tonight, there's a little more good news. In fact, I know, Mark, you've got some about a domain name seizure that has been, well, stopped, halted. Uh, the, the, the Kentucky government was looking to steal somebody's domain names? That's correct. And they were stopped. Uh, right. From what happened there? Computerworld.com. Apparently, uh, the Kentucky Court of Appeals has overturned a circuit court ruling that had authorized the state to seize the Internet domain names of 141 online gambling sites in an effort to block access to them from inside the state. Wow. Uh, Were all the 141 sites actually owned by people in Kentucky? I don't get that impression. I don't think so. Um, but we just own them in the state of Kentucky. Yeah. Wow. In a two-to-one opinion, uh, the appeals court said the lowered court had erred in interpreting domain names as gambling devices that were subject to forfeiture under the Commonwealth uh. of Kentucky's online gambling statutes. So they were basically saying that the fact that a gambling website had a domain name, that was a gambling device itself, the actual domain name itself. Like a like a slot machine would be a gambling device. Right. They were suggesting that a domain name is a gambling device. Right. It stretches credulity to conclude that a series of numbers or Internet addresses can be said to constitute a machine or any mechanical or other device designed and manufactured primarily for the use in connection with gambling. Yeah, it stretches credulity. Yeah. Yeah. Judge uh, uh, Michelle Keller wrote in a majority opinion, in addition, under existing Kentucky statutes, domain names are not included under the state's definition of gambling devices. Keller noted, um, neither the appeals court nor Kentucky's justice and public safety cabinet, which sought to shut the, the sites down, were free to add to that statutory definition. So does, uh, does that mean that the legislator could could call a domain name a gambling device? I suppose, I suppose they, they can. They can do whatever they want. They can define things however they want. It's their own language. Yeah. Legalese. The latest court decision was immediately uh, appealed by the state to the Kentucky Supreme Court. The controversy followed by a ruling. Wow. Uh, so they're going to continue. Yeah. They're well, going to go they, all the way to the top with it. It's, it's your money. What difference extra? does it make? Right. Uh, you guys talked over one other. Yes, it does not cost. We said the same extra. thing. Right. <laughs> uh, so good news there. Good news. And a little more good news over here at, uh, or not over here, but over at the Arizona it's Republic. It's not much good news. I mean, it's still illegal to run a gambling site in the United States, um, whether you're outside of the United States or in. I know. It's just a little bit of good news. I mean, I'm trying here, Mark. I'm trying to bring something positive out. Trying to give people something that, you know, something pleasant to think about instead of all the doom and gloom, which is so easy to find and report on. Uh, so here's another one from the Arizona Republic, where Pinal County supervisors bid goodbye to photo enforcement. Their vote to terminate the contract with uh, Redflex, the company that operates speed cameras, came at the recommendation of the county's top law enforcement official. How's that one for a bizarre occurrence? Mm-hmm. The sheriff of Pinal County, Paul Babo, says, I'm against photo speed enforcement completely. He says, walking the three-member panel through a detailed PowerPoint presentation, he says, here in Pinal, it's failed miserably. 
Laveau said speed cameras created dangerous road conditions and offered little financial benefit for the county. Well, see, now there's the there's the kicker. Now, I'd like to hear about these dangerous road conditions. Does that mean going the speed limit is the da- is dangerous? Um, or I, guess, I suppose people coming up to where they know the, the cameras are then slow down, Maybe, and that's I uh, dangerous. Uh, but it's really about revenue, and here's the key, and... I've said this all along. I'd rather have speed cameras if, in fact, speed limits are the safest way to conduct your vehicle, and that's the purpose of enforcing speed limits, which I don't necessarily believe any of that nonsense. But I would prefer to have that uh, enforced across the board. I, I want consistency. I believe that a bad law enforced consistently is better than a uh, you know a, a worse law or, or a better law enforced inconsistently. Right, because the people could call their representatives and get it changed, huh, Mark? That's that's the reason. The fact is, uh, people uh, are <laughs> have to drive 35 miles an hour down a road where it makes perfectly good sense to drive 50 miles an hour, and I see it all the time then they will say, I have had enough of this crap. And they, they, at some point, they'll get fed up with it, and they'll do something about, how about it. How about some roads that, with speed limits that actually take the road conditions into account? If there's snow on the ground, I, I think the speed limits should change down a little bit. Right. It, it, absolutely. If speed limits actually made any sense, and they do not, then they should change night and day. They should change raining, uh, precipitating, and whether it's snowing or raining, um, versus sunny. They should change, uh, you know, at, school, at the time school's getting out. They should change all the time. That's a great idea, but it would require somebody to actually put some sort of uh, electronic infrastructure in there to update the speed limit signs, and, they, and uh, only an innovator or an entrepreneur would able to be able to do that, can certainly you imagine, not government. Can you imagine how much government would waste on a project like that? Oh, my God. So what government does is they pick uh, they pick the, you know, basically, what are the conditions if it's snowy and dark um, that you should, what, what speed should be you be traveling at and then they give you that as a speed limit and you can't go above that any other time and if so we're going to give you a big old ticket and he he you give us some money it's great <laughs> see so the the cops are a much better revenue generating source because they're inconsistent as opposed to these speed limit cameras which are consistent that's why the sheriff doesn't like them the other problem with the speed cameras at least in uh, Dallas's case, they were costing, I think it was 2600 or 3600 a month just to monitor one single camera. So I, I believe I worked it out to somewhere between two and three tickets a day just to pay for the monitoring of the camera. So if they're not giving out that many tickets... It's actually costing the the city money to run these cameras. Let's not jump ahead and jump to conclusions about Sheriff Bobo here. Let's allow him to speak for himself as to his reasons for opposing the speed cameras. Sorry if I'm, uh, you know, I'm somewhat jaded. Well, no, it is easy to jump to to these conclusions because, well, I mean, they're pretty, uh, I think they're pretty much based in fact for the most part. However, here's what he had to say to the uh, the town council or the city council uh, saying that Two of the cameras, apparently they had two cameras, uh, that were activated 11,416 times between September of 2007 through last month. Of those activations, 7,290 resulted in citations, but only 3,711 were paid. Babo said most of the total $134,000 in fines and fees from the paid citations did cover administrative and operational costs, leaving the county with a net profit of 12000 over $12,000 that Babo dismissed as paltry. So even though in this case it was actually generating a profit for the government, the sheriff was still against them. Babo also said that, moreover, total motor vehicle accidents increased by 16% in the same time period, and fatal collisions in the Queen Creek area doubled from 3 to 6 
The sheriff said he couldn't be certain that the speed cameras were to blame for the crashes, but he does believe they were a factor. So maybe he really does honest. I mean, it sounds to me like he honestly believes that uh, these cameras are not worth the twelve. The, the the damage that he believes they might have contributed to in some way are not worth the twelve thousand dollars in profit. Well, uh, what he's also saying there is that people conducting themselves at a, at a rate of speed higher than the speed limit is safer than people going the speed limit or slowing down to the speed limit when they know the mm. speed limit is being enforced. So what he has said then is that his cops in their shiny little cars with their silly little gumballs on top are in fact a danger and a menace to society. Well, he's not going to say that because he he's is calling that, to put more deputies on the road. Well, of course, he, of course, he is because that's going to. He knows uh, he knows what a deputy produces in revenue, um, and uh, it's going to be more than these speed cameras, which cost you know probably cost a great deal to maintain and uh, and buy. But essentially, he's he's pointing out that there's been more wrecks. Well, there's wrecks because people are slowing down because they know the cameras are there. Likely, I mean, that's the best that's the best explanation I can come up with. Um, and that means that what I've known all along is that when you see a cop, you, you see a line of traffic, people slow down. People are going to see the cop at different uh, times. So you've got uh, a, a line of traffic going 70 miles an hour. Suddenly the top, the front guy sees the sees a cop, um, slows down to 50 rather quickly. We uh, go ahead. We apparently did give this guy too much credit. The, the rest of the story here <laughs> says that who's we. He, well, I did. Uh, the rest of the story here says that if he gets two extra deputies, a five-member team could generate 10,000 to 20,000 citations a year, which they said that in a, a two-year period they only got 7,200 citations from the uh, speed cameras. Don't plus, the drug vests. Plus, he wants to bring red light cameras to the county. So obviously not too concerned Which are about far safety. More dangerous. Yeah, those are really dangerous because people hit their brakes real hard and and the town shortens the, uh, almost every time the municipality shortens the yellow light duration. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully <laughs> hopefully that won't happen down there. But well, it was a little bit of good news. More coming up. Free talk live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Sam. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features we give away. So enjoy those, including live streams. We've got a broadband version of the show, a dial-up version. And we also have a webcam. We give all of them to you. If you go to listen.freetalklive.com, you can experience them. That's listen freetalklive.com. Did you know that over 35% of IT admins admit to snooping through their boss's email? Shouldn't your business email be secure? PrivacyHarbor.com is an email alternative that's both private and confidential, guaranteed. PrivacyHarbor.com, because normal email is not secure. Again, PrivacyHarbor.com. We continue with your phone calls. That's what the show's about. If you make them, we start with Ken in Colorado. Ken, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Sam, and Mark. Hey guys, I was just listening today to the podcast from a couple of days ago, uh, uh, Coronation Day or Easter or whatever the hell it was. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, you were talking about Obama and how he'd changed his stance on cannabis over the last five years. Yes. And frankly, it wasn't over the last five years. It was over the last year or so. It was, yeah, over the last nine months or so, whenever it was convenient. The reason there I, I was at 420 Day uh, following Ron Paul and sitting in downtown Denver at the only permitted um, 420 event in history. And uh, uh, there they were trying to shove Obama down our throats. And I'm going, no, mm-hmm. you can't be kidding. You know, 
yeah. or you've got to be yeah, kidding. Uh, the only the only person you could possibly depend on to to say what he means and do what he says on cannabis is Ron Paul. No you know, doubt he didn't, about it. Didn't particularly like it very much, but he didn't think it was at 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 the very least he didn't think it was the federal government's business. And uh, sure enough, you know. Uh, they were just really eager to push him down our throats, and uh, I think people have got to be delusional if they don't think that was deliberate. Wait, wait if what was deliberate? Obama's people trying to give everybody the impression oh, that he right. was kind to you know pot smokers. Well, now was it his official? Um, was it his official people, like the actual campaign staff, or was it just some volunteers that were doing it? Um, it was. I don't know who they were exactly, but I can tell you some of them were politicos. I mean, they were people who were running for office and things like that. And uh, I do remember in the group that I sort of belong to loosely um, that people were putting or sending out paperwork that that really essentially uh, were suppo- was supposed to give people the idea that uh, Obama was the the kindest to uh, cannabis. People, which, of all of, course, of the candidates, yeah, yeah, right, or of all the of all the legitimate ones, or you know where I'm going with that. Yeah, that, well, the, you yeah. know, that's kind of a typical view from the uh, the Democratic left is that they are they purport themselves to be more caring, and their candidates are more open to change on these issues. And then when you see, and, and Barack Obama himself, the quote that I read, which is why you you thought it was a, f- a five year window, uh, was from 2004. But I think he was quoted as early or as recently as 2008 on the issue, uh, essentially making himself sound as though he was somewhat progressive. I mean, and I mean just barely somewhat progressive, uh, but just enough to be considered okay on the issue. Uh, and of course, now all of the activist groups, the drug reform activist groups, know better because, well, he's made it quite clear that he plans yeah, to do right. nothing and, in and the area smokers of are such a pathetic bunch as far as uh, when it comes <laughs> they to they are they really are when it comes yeah. to civil disobedience and standing up for what they do they're such a pathetic bunch of losers no that, no more pathetic than most other um interest well, groups the fact I is the alcohol the people sure got side. their crap done the alcohol I come people from it from the medical side and i was never a pothead and i can see what mark can see from the inside given my you mean during prohibition Spineless is mean, all I've yeah. got to say about pot smokers. When you say what the alcohol people yes. did, you mean it, pro- prohibition? Yes. Right? If pot smokers, you know, just just stood up a little bit, I mean, they they don't have to they don't have to get um you know stand up and take the bullet. Just get on your hands and knees from a completely prone position. You you turd. I think it's really a fatalist thing for them. They just think, well, you know, it's, this is not going to happen. So and, it, yeah. And the fact is, you can you can dangle the carrot out for these folks, and it doesn't have to be a very big carrot it could be a dried old withered carrot like well i think that the pot smoker i think that the drug issue they they Mm. they probably should get some treatment or something like that and then they'll vote for that guy because the other guy will chop their heads off or they'll let you have your stash but my god we're going to go after the traffickers well where the hell are you getting your stash I don't think it's fair to, to um, group cannabis uh, activists and say that they're they're powerless to do anything. No, 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 no. These are, I'm, saying that this is I'm saying that these are people that that I've met to a large extent are people who you can't count on to be activists. But right. look, during prohibition, did they have SWAT teams with MP5s? Uh, they, did they, they come had, in and shoot people's dogs as a regular. They order they did of business? not have things like that. However, um, the fact is, people know. Could they monitor your email and phone calls. 
I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't I mean, it was probably it, a little easier back then to get away with some of this illegal behavior to run some of these speakeasies and things where people could go and violate the law. Try doing that today. Well, that's true, Sam, but I'm going to back Ken up on this one because I've known a number of um, pot smokers in my time, and it's difficult to get them to go and vote. It's difficult that's to get true. them. He, he's not talking about the marijuana activists. The marijuana activists are out there right, doing what they activists. can. Yeah. But the but the the marijuana consumers, Users, yeah. the right. ones that are all are as at risk you of can, being thrown in a jail cell, will do nothing right. to you change can, things. You can trot out a candidate that says we will legalize marijuana tomorrow if you get him elected. Like, oh, okay, man. Weed man did that down in New Jersey. He didn't. What happened there? Nothing. Nothing. They won't get well, out of their easy chair. They won't go from work wherever it is that they're doing. And pardon the the you know the the, the broad sweeping strokes calling all uh, potheads uh, you know uh, lazy good for nothings. But I, when it comes to politics, they are. Or maybe they just point. see how well the system works and choose not to participate. That's a possibility. They, they certainly point, are willing to give them some, the damn money to pay their fines. Go ahead, Ken. That was True. essentially what went on in some of the conversations I had. I said, "Look, you elect Ron Paul." And to follow up with exactly what you said, oh, he's a Republican. Yeah, well, (laughs) you might take a look at what he has to say and what his record was for 11 terms. Right, because the Democrats have done so much to reform, uh, you know, the drug laws, right? I mean, they're just not even paying attention. Yeah. Thanks, Ken, for the call tonight. I appreciate uh-huh. hearing from you. And I, and I share the frustration uh, because back in the uh, the early part of this decade, I was attempting to motivate many of my marijuana smoking friends uh, to just go out and vote for Harry Brown. And uh, after the election, I asked a few of them, hey, did you did you go out and vote? No. What do you do? Well, how do you handle that? I don't know. Do you think that the uh, the the Thompson submachine guns and the in the hands of a uh, FBI agent agent or a Treasury Department agent might be somewhere on the parallel of, uh, um, you know, a SWAT team? What what did the uh, bootleggers have? Thompson uh, submachine guns. They, they were they were equally armed, but you can go out and buy an MP5. You know, we're, we're sitting here speculating about what uh, the repeal of Prohibition was like. I'd be interested to hear more about... They shot about cops, Sam. I mean, come on. Uh, how many, you know, I'm, right. not, I'm not suggesting that that's the direction we go. And when somebody shoots a cop today, what happens? They, it, the, the world stops, and they go after this they, person. You don't think it went blood. at the world stopped then, too? Uh, I think I mean, they, they had a lot they more leeway out, Did you ever see the today? Green Mile? They doled out the electric chair, and you were gone like that. You, you didn't wait 10 years on death row, which I'm, uh, I, will, uh, I will agree with you that probably waiting 10 years on death row is more cruel and more unusual than, uh, in fact, uh, executing someone you right know, away. You know, I think we're speculating here. I don't think there's any evidence that... Any of us have to say that the people who were the repeal prohibition activists back in the 20s or the 30s were were any more of a percentage than the uh, activists of the marijuana issue are today. I mean, there are marijuana activists today, and they're doing what they can. Are they a smaller percentage or not? We don't really know. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building? Perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area? Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up anything via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Sam. 
And Mark, you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features. You enjoy them free over at uh, one of those features is B- the BBS at bbs.freetalklive.com. With over 400,000 posts, there's a lot to talk about from serious issues to fun stuff. You'll find it all free at bbs.freetalklive.com. Now we're talking about uh, we were talking about activism, and actually I want to continue that, and we'll take some more calls here. Uh, but it, for those of you who are frustrated with the lack of activism out there, with uh, people's apathy, which seems to be widespread, uh, the Free State Project is your solution. Join together with hundreds of other like-minded, liberty-loving people all in the same geographic place. That's New Hampshire. As we have done, all of us have moved to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project because we know that concentrating liberty activism in one place will be the most successful uh, the, the the best way to achieve liberty in our lifetime. And that's what the uh, the Free State Project is all about. It's already working with hundreds of people already having made the move to New Hampshire and thousands more coming. We want you to join us at freestateproject.org. You can get more information there. That's freestateproject.org. Before we continue with the calls, I want to come back to this issue of... Uh, we were talking about marijuana smokers and how it's so difficult to motivate them. And then I kind of suggested, well, is it any more difficult to motivate marijuana smokers than it was to, to motivate uh, drinkers during alcohol prohibition? We don't really know because we weren't around back then to to speak to it. And one of the guys in the chat room made a good point during the break, and that is, well, taxpayers are just as uh, unmotivated. In fact, I think this is a general statement about Americans and apathy. I think that uh, we, we're unfairly focusing on the marijuana issue simply because that was what we were talking about but think about it from any any other perspective when you're looking at taxpayers and you say well we've talked about how if enough people just decided to stop paying what could the state do but nobody wants to stop paying because they're afraid that they're going to be hurt by the gang members the government gang if they step out of line same thing with the marijuana smokers they don't want to step out of line stick their uh, their neck above water because they're worried about what might happen to them so i think what we're talking about here is just a general state of apathy amongst the american people on whatever issues that they might find important it might really bug them that taxes are going up, but they're not willing to do anything about it because you can't fight City Hall or whatever other cliches they might be repeating. In their right. I, I, I do agree, and I see, the, I, I see that there's some differences in the parallels between alcohol prohibition and marijuana prohibition in that alcohol prohibition, it was legal to drink, then it was illegal. Um, and so people had, you know, they didn't, they didn't feel the shame that uh, marijuana smokers uh, feel because basically marijuana's never been legal. It wasn't really smoked by white people in any kind of abundance before it became illegal so they've everybody's sort of grown up with it's illegal it's bad what i'm doing here is <laughs> it's naughty um so whatever it is mm-hmm. uh, they, they haven't got that that feeling that they should stand up for it in the same way we're so we're we're inculcated our entire lives that marijuana is bad in the same way we're inculcated that taxes are a necessary evil and so yeah and they don't want to stand up and say and and be the guy who's not paying taxes right. because then he hates the child then you hate children right. or you hate the poor or or whatever it is you've been programmed to believe or you even if you don't believe those things you understand that other people have been programmed to believe those things so you don't want to be seen in that light yeah no i agree with what mark just said i think um there's certainly a different mindset that exists today and that the people who are using cannabis think that they are what they're doing is wrong because they've learned it in the government schools. And at the same time, I think the government in the last 60 years, whatever, has grown so pervasive and has gotten into so many different areas and aspects of people's daily lives that it is harder to to go around the government or to, to end run them. 
And, um, I, you know, what, what are marijuana um, smokers going to do as far as activism goes? They're not going to move for the Free State Project because why in the world would they? New Hampshire has, you know, some of the more draconian uh, drug laws in the nation. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they can go to California, do like your friend did, and get themselves a little license because they, I got a backache, or what, I get headaches, or whatever yeah. reason it is that they need to uh, smoke marijuana, and they're going to smoke marijuana and do it legally um, with, with very little chance of repercussions in California, which is... It's a pretty nice place to move. Well, I mean, the fact is the Free State Project isn't really a one-issue kind of it is not situation if if it was meant to be um you know a a movement to legalize marijuana then it was a we picked a poor place uh but it it wasn't that's not the intent and i wouldn't i wouldn't have moved for that thank you very much no 800-259-9231 so i think the problem is apathy and the indoctrination which leads to more apathy and the fear which leads to more apathy and just i mean it's and it's easier to just do nothing uh it's easier to just keep your head down because if you stick it up you're the one that they they could go after i mean as they've gone after me uh, here in Keene, the Keene government people have targeted me because i'm visible and yep. uh i i mean i'm not as visible if i was on television or something like that uh but i but i've been on tv enough and i'm on the radio uh six nights a week and so now they're coming after me because they believe that I'm represent, I represent a certain movement, that I am somehow a leader in the, the liberty movement. They don't understand that I'm not. They don't understand that there are no real leaders in the, the liberty activist movement, that each individual chooses for themselves what they want to do, who, what issues they want to pick, and how they want to get active. But simply because I have a, a microphone makes me more of a target. So I understand the fear, and I understand why people don't want to take those risks. How However, I believe that it's more risky to do nothing, because in the long run, if you do nothing, they will continue to pass more rules, more regulations, more taxes, more controls, and then before you know it, you're living in a a completely totalitarian society where you've lost the freedom to even speak out and say you disagree. I mean, at least right now, people can still talk about their disagreements, Uh, but it's not not moving in in a positive direction, and it won't move in a positive direction until more people... Get some damn courage and be become willing to take a risk in and order I, to achieve some more liberty. And I believe it's gone so far that uh, working within the system is is not something I want to spend a lot of time on because I just don't believe in it. You know, it, it, it it's it's you're going to put in a lot of time for very limited results. They're going to be there stepping in to try and stop you at every step of the way in every possible way they can come up with. And they never give up. I mean, look at the middle school issue here in Keene. That's been going on for years. They've been just coming back trying to force this thing down people's throats until they eventually wear them down and they give up. And that's what politicians do. Toll-free number for your thoughts, 800-259-9231. We continue with your calls. Big Don in New York. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Big Don. Uh, Hi, Ian. I just want to comment on yesterday's uh, show. There was a a libertarian who called up, uh, I think it was in the third hour, about uh, abolishing the drunk driving laws, and he just couldn't—he uh, just couldn't see it. Uh, he had this uh, notion that, well, if you drive drunk down the road, you've created risk for society, and I mathematically somehow shared in that increased risk, and you've, you've, you've done wrong. But the problem with, with that way of thinking, and, it, and it's, a, it's a difficult way of thinking because everyone's so locked into life the way it is, they can't think about what. Uh, uh, an anarchical uh, society, how that would be different. 
So he thinks that if there's no cops enforcing the drunk driving laws, there'll be a lot of drunk drivers on the road, uh, higher accidents and risks. But he can't think outside the box enough to say, well, wait a minute, maybe people would buy much safer automobiles. Maybe there would be incentives for automobiles that have, you know, artificial intelligence that can avoid accidents. Uh, maybe, uh, as I've suggested in the past, maybe if a dr- if drunk driving was not a uh, an illegal offense on its face, if it was only uh, dangerous driving that was the the problem, then the drunk could get into the right lane and go ten miles an hour on his way home, and nobody would be harmed. That'd be okay exactly. too. Any other thoughts? Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, You're right. So I mean, it just. Thinking outside the box is is very important, but it's also uh, you know a difficult thing to do for us. I mean, we've been programmed uh, to believe uh, to be risk averse. That's one of the things the government education or indoctrination system does is it, it essentially teaches people to not take risks because well, risk if you risk something, you could lose it. Uh, and so we don't want to be uh, at risk when we're on the roads. We want to be completely safe. Want to round off all the corners, put uh, little bubbles around all the cars so we can uh, you know make sure that we don't hit anybody else. And you know, the fact is, if you want to get from point A to point B and you want to do it quickly, then there is going always going to be some, some risk involved. And, and when I asked him what his solution was, he didn't really have a solution beyond, well, going after the people that are driving dangerously. And if that's the solution, I'm all for it. If people are weaving and, and, uh, and, and, and creating a, a, a possible dangerous situation on the roads or an actual dangerous situation, then I think something should be done in that particular case. And, and that's why we agreed with him in that case. And thank you for the call. I appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. Because the only other solution to drunk driving is a total crackdown on freedom. And I don't know about you, but I like getting where I'm going relatively quickly. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, the toll-free number for you to bring up anything. Take control of the airwaves, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Sam. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can buy our banner. We've got another auction going on. It's the third banner on the website. Bidding starts at a dollar. You can go to auction.freetalklive.com. You'll win it for an entire month. You can advertise virtually anything. And uh, a lot of people like these banner auctions. In fact, uh, sometimes they like to hang on to them for a little while longer. If you win the auction and you finish up your first month, uh, usually I'll come back to you and make you an, uh, another offer to, to keep you on board. In fact, our second, it's one of the reasons why the second banner actually hasn't been auctioned for quite a while is because uh, the, uh, the good guys over there at the, uh, uh, the photography website that's up there, panoramanetwork.com, have uh, signed on for a three-month uh, three extension. So thanks to PanoramaNetwork.com for coming on board extra, lo- extra long. And uh, you could grab the third banner if you go to auction.freetalklive.com. You know, the third banner might sell as low as 40 or 50 bucks. It's not too shabby. That's auction.freetalklive.com. So we continue here with your calls. Dave is across the pond in the U.K. Hello, Dave. Dave, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi. Hey there. Um, uh, I actually called about something uh, off-topic, but I just wanted, before I wanted to... It's Free to Talk answer. Live. There is no off-topic. You just call about oh, okay. anything. So, what's up? Well, well, the reason I said it is just because I had a comment about this uh, marijuana apathy discussion you were talking about. D- apathy in general, but yeah. Go ahead. Oh, oh okay. Well, I only caught the uh, the end of it. Um, just one little uh, add onto it. I don't know what it's like in America, but over here in the UK, weed is so easy to get hold of. I mean, I... 
even if I want to do it legally, I can just spend £50 and get a ferry over to Amsterdam. But I don't think that there's even any point in expending the effort of, uh, you know, going making, getting the state to make it legal because, you know, it's, it's probably easier to get hold of now than if, if it were legal. I, I don't yeah. think that's the reason. The, when I'm motivated to do things on the marijuana front, it's not because I want to be able to get marijuana cheaper or it's because I want to be – I mean, that'd be nice. But it's not because I want to get marijuana cheaper or I want a better selection, which would all happen in the free marketplace. It's because I don't like people being thrown in jail cells. That's my motivation. That's well, the reason I'm, I'm out there doing things on the, the marijuana legalization front. I, I agree with your principle. Uh, I was just saying that maybe that's why there's not so many people – behind it as you would otherwise like. Certainly possible. Um, I mean, they could tell themselves that, well, you know, as long as I smoke inside my house, I'll be safe. There's, you know, I'm not yeah, going to get busted. I've got exactly. a delivery man. He's going to bring it to me, so I'm not driving around with it. They may tell themselves these things, but that that has not stopped uh, the cops from raiding people's homes uh, uh, by mistake. And, and there are there are over, what, a million people behind it, as in behind bars in jail for this right now? <laughs> Uh, I think it's over 800,000 people are arrested, arrested. every year just How for marijuana. How many are in jail, though, currently? I do not know the answer That'd be to that more question. than a million, right? Yeah. I, I have no idea how – because some of them, you know, they get arrested and then it's a marijuana thing, so they're out pretty quick. But If, if you count up all of the jail populations around the U.S., it, I believe it's one of the top five largest cities now. Uh, I think it's number three. And if you think about how many – what what would these people be doing out in the world? How much lost productivity? What oh kind of gosh. contribution is being lost to the world because these people are sitting in cages stamping out license plates that could be completely automated with the technology that we yep. have today? It's Plus, ridiculous. If, if you industrialize marijuana, I mean, that would create a hell of a lot of jobs. Uh, anyway, if you Absolutely. don't mind, I just wanted uh, I called to actually share a story about a work colleague of mine. Sure. Um, and get, maybe get your opinion on some of the, uh, the sex laws. Okay. Um, Basically, what happened is um, he was on, his, uh, on the bus on the way to uh, where I work, and the police actually pulled over the bus. And they stormed onto the bus and uh, took him uh, under arrest. Wow. Uh, yeah, and it was pretty traumatic for him because he's a, a disabled guy. He's, he's had a pretty bad life. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's got a good heart, I think. Um, but anyway, the reason that they've done this is... Uh, a, a random woman that sometimes stands at the bus stop with him uh, has accused him of uh, exposing himself uh, on oh, two no. occasions. So now, you know, I mean, to be honest, I don't know the truth of what happened, mm -hmm. but I, I believe that he hasn't done anything. I think this is just some crazy woman who's just decided to that's i think it's reason. amazing that, well, that they would raid a bus simply yeah, based on the accusations of another person right it's it's you know the uh, the the crime as it were I, I suppose there's a victim in this case and so i can see that but however what it it, it this really should be uh, one of those situations where a person presses charges and yeah. that person should be liable for losing something to, yeah. to some extent if the guy's found uh, not guilty yeah. or you know something it's it's really a mess when um, you ha you have a society, and the fact is that men are considered to some to some extent less innocent when it comes to sex crimes right. than women everybody can't else. be perverted or whatever. Right, right. right. they can't be Please. telling a lie yeah. as though um, you know maybe maybe this guy sidled her out for a position or she didn't like that he was too slow well, going up the bus. The well, fact know, is, I, mean, I had a friend of mine in prison who uh, had a girl that was coming to see him, and um, you know he basically told her after two or three visits that uh, she was fat and ugly and he didn't 
want to see her anymore. And he was mm. very rude about it, yeah. I, I, no doubt. But what she did is she walked right out of that visiting park. She went to the lieutenant, and she told him oh, that um, my friend tried to get her to bring marijuana into the prison or something like that. Oh, no. So they mm. drug him off into the uh, uh, you know this holding cell area and questioned him for a few minutes. They decided that it was, uh, in this case, they decided since his uh, behavior had been what it had been, exemplary uh, up to that point, that they weren't going to do anything about it. What could they do anyway for mm-hmm. that kind of uh, situation? But if she's willing to make that accusation, I know other women are willing to make other accusations. Exactly. I mean, I'm giving him, my, my work colleague, the benefit of the doubt. I mean, at the very worst, this is what I think has happened. I mean, the guy's disabled. You know, maybe he forgot to zip up or something because mm. he's, he can't use his hands properly and that sort of thing. Wow. And, you know, it's hard not to feel sorry for him. But um, what, what's happened, basically, is they let him out on bail. Uh, they took him in, they charged, they charged him the other day, and he actually had his, uh, a court appearance yesterday. Uh, what we have over here is a magistrate's court. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like the, the very small, small court. I guess it would be called county court or something like that over there. And uh, they've set a, uh, another court date for him. You know, all he had to do was really plead not guilty. But, I mean, you know, he's had to take days off work. Everybody at work knows about it. And I right. think it's just absolutely messed up his life. And no, and if it, it uh, if it turns out that nothing happens, if they basically dismiss the case and they or they find for him and they say, oh, this woman's got nothing. There's you know, it's just our claim, and we're just not, we're going to throw this out. Then he's had all that time wasted, and he will not be restituted for it because it's not a loser pays system. And not only that, he was told not to get on the same bus as her, wow. so he had to take a, an roundabout route, uh, like take a few different buses that he wouldn't normally take i bet he's not going to get that extra money back it's so reactionary and so out of control and and i'm glad you brought it up tonight and i'm I'm sorry to hear the story and i thank you for the call at 800-259-9231 just i mean even if it was true even if the accusation was true and this guy is you know unzipping pulling it out and wanking his hands I'm just Doesn't saying. That seem strange to I'm you? just I mean, saying. Even if it was true, and he's pulling it out and touching himself in front of this woman at the uh, the bus stop, I don't know if that justifies a, a raid on the on the uh, the city bus. <laughs> I don't think that justifies that at all. I don't know what I think about that particular situation. I mean, it uh, t- to me it seems uh, it's 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 definitely socially unacceptable. Well, the way but this the, way, the victim the way the system is supposed to work is if a police officer arrests somebody in the United States. Uh, it varies slightly from state to state, but they are to take that person immediately to a magistrate where they can hold an examining hearing and go over all of the evidence. The person can make the accusations, and I can be there to defend myself if I'm the one being accused of, of something. And that happens before I go to jail, before uh, you know any punishment phase is enacted, and that's been lost in uh, yeah, today's when the justice that system. Happen? Yeah, I've never heard of that. Your thoughts. We continue and talk to Jake in Texas. Jake, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Jake in Texas. Going once. Jake in Texas. Okay, Illinois, right? Jake in Illinois. All right. Here you are. Well, uh, bottom line, government is not your friend. No doubt. Uh, They... uh, Uh, I called up with a different topic. Uh, you know, I, I, I talked to your call screener, and I gave him a different topic. But this marijuana issue really, really makes me angry. Okay. Um, uh, I'm a person, you know, I'm, I'm a lot older than you guys. 
I have uh, pains that you guys are going to get eventually that you don't have now. And um, I was uh, smoking marijuana, and uh, it, it was amazing. Uh, just a, a couple of puffs that this pain just disappeared. That, that is amazing. Pain. I want you to tell me the rest of your story here in moments. So we're going to bring you back after the news. More with Dave and your calls as well. 800 Jake, rather, excuse me. 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Hour two's coming up. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into hour number two of the program. You can bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 800-259-9231. And it is Ian here with you. And Sam. And Mark. As we continue with your phone calls, coming up, we'll give you an update on the BART shooting, the BART cop uh, that murdered a man in cold blood right in, the fr- in front of uh, hundreds of people. Uh, we'll get to that, but first, we go to your phone calls, and Jake is still on the line in Illinois. Jake, you're back on with us on Free Talk Live. you just barely gotten a chance to tell your story, so go ahead. Do we have uh, Jake? Hello? Yes. Hello. You're back. Can you hear me? Yes, we have you. Can you hear us? Uh, the government is not your friend, but cats are your friend, and that uh, that looks like my cat Max. Uh, oh, you're watching the webcam uh, over at cam.freetalklive.com. You're seeing our studio kitty Ravage. That's right. Uh, you know, it looks just like my cat Max. Anyway, I was making a point, and uh, as I was saying before, you guys are a lot younger than me, and unfortunately, I have a, a, something to tell you. You're going to ex- Jake. Jake, we've lost Jake. As you get older. Okay, you're still there. Okay, yes, you were What's saying... What's going to happen as we get older? That you dropped out there for a moment. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, Not your fault. Can, um, can you hear me now? Yes, sir. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, uh, as you get older, you're going to experience a lot more aches and pains. And uh, what, what, I, what I have tried was uh, marijuana. Uh, and um, what I found after a few pops is all these these minor aches and pains that I've experienced just sort of disappeared, and I felt like I was like 20 years younger. Wow! I'm not ex- I'm not exaggerating this. Okay, I have no axe to grind. Uh, I'm I'm not a, a heavy user. As a matter of fact, I I don't have a source, so I'm not using it anymore. Oh and no! I, yeah, that's true. Just go uh, talk to I, some I, high school kids. Well, yeah, that made arrest me. Um, but uh, no, uh, but I, 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 and I have these still aches and pains. But when I when I was using this uh, several weeks ago, it was like a miracle cure. And what I'm thinking is there are all these thousands, hundreds, and thousands, millions of senior citizens that could be helped by this drug, um, and it's it's been to- totally uh, discredited. It's 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 a powerful thing that is helpful. Absolutely, 
Uh, th- yeah. there, there have been some wonderful document uh, documentaries out there that have actually shown footage of people uh, with, you know, things like, I think, multiple sclerosis and other really just detrimental uh, conditions really having some uh, serious relief as a result of, as you say, just one or two puffs on a, uh, a joint of marijuana or, or a, a bowl or pipe, and you're not, even, not even really enough to get high off of, just enough to, uh, to deal with their pain or to deal with their condition. And it's just striking when you see the, this footage and when you interview people and when you talk, we talk to people like you, because it's true. I mean, why would these people in, in wheelchairs be lying uh, about the effects of this? It really is helping people, but the government doesn't care about that. They don't care about helping you, even though they'd like to position themselves as being your buddy and being out there uh, to be your friend. Uh, the, the reality is they they don't care about you, and they don't care about what happens to you. Otherwise, marijuana would be completely legal, and people would be able to use it for whatever uh, whatever reasons they like. And so you're absolutely well, spot on. Just, well, let me just explain something to you, because, um, see, you don't know the realm that I'm in and other people are in. Uh, you know that if you take a couple of drags from a joint or something, that you can get high. What happens with uh, older people when they take a couple of drags of, of uh, a joint, they don't get high. But what does happen... Is I don't get high off a couple of drags either, let me tell you. It takes me more no, than but that. The, but, but the, Half the a puff I'm, I'm in outer space. So go ahead. I'm sorry. No, what I'm saying is it affects uh, people be, uh, differently be, uh, depending on what their age is. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if you're younger, you'll get high. But if you're older... You, you don't get high, but you see the pain disappear. This is what people don't know. This is what senior citizens don't know because they, they're, they're, a lot of senior citizens have never uh, smoked a joint. No, because and, but, doctors want to prescribe them a, a laundry list of prescription drugs. Which costs a hell of a lot of money. Actually, you could probably get marijuana on the black market cheaper than a lot of prescription medications. Right. In fact, you'd mentioned that, and I'm glad you brought this up tonight because it's, it is an important aspect of the, the marijuana issue. Um, but in, uh, you also mentioned that you can't find a source. And I'd like to suggest a couple options to you. I mean, considering you say this is something that helps you feel better, uh, it might be yes, worth I, pursuing. Yes, it does. Uh, the, one of the, uh, the easiest ways to get your hands on some marijuana would be to get a, a part-time job at a restaurant. Uh, virtually every staff member at the restaurant will have some way to connect you to some marijuana. Uh, you can also try the cab driver method. Uh, is, is, and I don't know what the best way to approach the cab drivers are, but usually uh, businessmen and people that are looking for, uh, for a little bit of marijuana will, will take a cab ride and talk to the, the cabbie about how one could go about doing that. I mean, you may even actually run into a cabbie that will sell you a little bit of it or the very, you know, at the very least uh, point, you in, guy. point you in the right direction. Uh, I don't know. The pizza delivery guy is definitely going to be a smoker. He might be a little weirded out by you asking him your house is door. he would know where your house is that's, yeah, that's, that's a comforting feeling yeah that's true that's a, it's an option any other ideas guys as to how he could find a source uh i've heard you could walk into like a quiznos and just find some people that look like they might smoke and ask them and they could hook you up right out of their car out back thanks for okay, the call well, this, <laughs> yes sir um this is what i'm concerned about with what you just said okay um I'm concerned with someone being undercover and trying, you know, to, with entrapment. Yeah, that's uh, not happening in those scenarios. Right. Well, in those cases, you initiate, so it right. is unlikely you'd be dealing with something like that because you're initiating. 
Right. If you're de- right in the undercover world, uh, you're going to see different kinds of things going on. Primarily, there are certainly the street uh, street dealers. They could be an undercover. So you don't want to go to somebody who's just standing on a street corner um, selling to people out of their car. Uh, you don't want to do or, or people in their cars. You don't want to do that. The important point, though, was would just be simply ask, "Are you a cop?" Right. I mean, uh, they have to tell you. They don't. Have, yeah, that's that's not going to keep you safe. Uh, one of the things you can no. do is you can get high with them. And or smoke with them, and that's usually the cops can't do that. So uh, that's one way to do things. But again, if you're initiating, they don't have cops driving around on a cab route uh, at nighttime looking for the occasional guy that wants to score an eighth. Uh, when they're doing undercover work, they're doing much bigger time kind of uh, work, and that's I can tell you, you'll be pretty safe uh, going those routes. Thank you and good luck, and thank you for the call. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That is the SACL CAI toll free line. We continue with Glenn in Alabama. Glenn, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Um, well, I was going to talk about uh, IP, intellectual Watchful. property. Yes, yeah, very good. Okay. So um, I recently um, took a job, accepted a job, and signed a contract for employment. And um, I'm I'm grateful just to get a job in these trying times. Uh, But there were two stipulations in the contract which kind of uh, irked me and um, really kind of uh, made me reconsider my stance on intellectual property. Okay. Uh, Formerly, I kind of really believed in the patent system and and all of that. But the two clauses were one basically saying that any intellectual property that I um, that I come up with is the property of them. And the second one... You mean while you're on the job? Uh, no, it, I, I, it just it basically extended to um, uh, my whole life. Wow. Any, well, not my whole life, you know, my whole time. My, you know, if I, I, basically I couldn't, I can't develop anything in my spare time. Jeez, are you sure about that? Now, usually... A, a, a an employment agreement like that will specify that if you're using any tools of the company that you're working for to accomplish any any kind of discovery or investigation or development of this product that that they would own that because you use their resources but if it's completely separate and it's uh it, it hel- also helps if it's not even related to the field then you, you you're typically allowed to do that well, it just said during during the um, term of the employment, and well, um, okay, yes, it, it does say which are related to I the um, to the company. But still, I think that if you if you're working for a company, and uh, I mean that's an opportunity to engage in some entrepreneurial activity, and that you can you know you 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 can maybe develop something that's related to the field, uh, but that's not necessarily. I don't know how to phrase this. I hear the music coming Think about out, it. So. We'll come back to you, and I know you had another point, so we'll bring you back. 800-259-9231. More on IP in moments. Your calls as well about anything. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. The toll-free number for you to bring up anything is 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Sam. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. And those features include archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, click and download. They're right there on the front page of the website for your downloading convenience. Head over to freetalklive.com and enjoy. SACL CAI has a full-orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. If you've got a company and you're sick and tired of dealing with uh, accounts receivables, 
Bakel can take care of it for you and get you back to doing what it is that you wanted to do in the first place. SACL CAI. See their banner at freetalklive.com. We go back to your phone calls, and then coming up, we'll give you some breaking news out of California. First, we go back to Glenn in Alabama. Glenn, go ahead with your thoughts on intellectual property. Okay, so I guess what I'm saying is that, well, let's suppose that I was working for a car company like Ford, Mm -hmm. and then uh, in my spare time, I developed some radical new um, uh, fuel technology or something like that that's related to the field, but, you know, isn't directly... Um, you know, I'm not I'm not stealing Ford's uh, property or anything like that. Although I am, you know, I do I am informed because I work in the field. I I don't feel like it's right that you know that that anything you do related to that field should be. Well, now hold on. Are you uh, using Ford's property to create these ideas? Are you essentially using their equipment to generate this, or are you doing it on your own in your home garage? I would say that you're doing it uh, well. I don't know. <laughs> if you're see, because if you're on the clock and you're using their uh, their equipment, then it's theirs. Right. That's well, are their you contract. Working, another question is: Are you working in uh, development in their um, company? Or are you on the line uh, sticking hubcaps on cars? I mean, that's a that's another issue. Likely, you wouldn't have to sign a uh, an IP agreement if you were right. just sticking hubcaps on. But if you're doing research for Ford, it, it seems to me that yes, you're informed based on their intellectual property too. I I see nothing wrong with uh, you know getting employees to sign this stuff. And and I've I've got to say I don't have a problem with I'm against contract. the idea of intellectual property, but I am for contracts. So if you sign a contract that says that while I'm on the job and doing what I'm doing here at Ford or wherever, I won't, I won't, these are not my ideas. These are Ford's or the things I come up with are Ford's. So I, I, I totally agree with, uh, with the idea of contract. And so if you sign that contract, that was your choice. Uh, with Free Talk Live, for instance, when we started doing this show prior to syndication, when we were in the very beginning uh, back at, uh, at uh, the, the FM talk station we started on down in Sarasota, Florida, there was no contract. Uh, there was no agreement for the show because they didn't really think they had anything. It was just, you know, letting the, the guys have their show on the weekends and it was no big deal. And it went to weeknights and there was never any agreement that we signed. So Clear Channel did not own those shows. They have no claim to any of the Free Talk Live content we created using their studio, even though we were using their equipment to make that show because there was no agreement. So Okay, but if I was to go out on, on, my, on, on my own time, my private, like, you know, during the night... And buy my own equipment, and um, and and develop something on my own. You would consider that my um, my right to. Uh... As long as you didn't sign a, uh, sign it away in a contract. I mean, it makes make sure that it's crystal clear in your contract that you have the ability to develop and do things on your own time, and that what you do on your own is still yours. Yeah, but I, I, don't, think, I, don't, I think it's I'm, a legitimate. I think it's a legitimate thing for them to claim that uh, you know that they're. That they're basically giving you intellectual property because the fact is eight hours or nine hours or ten hours a day while they're paying you to do this work in development for them, and I'm assuming that that's the the field that we're uh, you know dealing with here in this auto automotive company. Then you go home and you you basically have that information flowing around in your head that you got while on the job while they were paying you. I think it just depends on what the contract says. So the contract... uh, I, I think it, it would be it, specific to the situation. You know, you might you might be working on something completely different, uh, yep. you know, to what you developed for them in your on your job. So it just seems like a disincentive to do any. If, if you're going to mandate something like that, it, it just seems like a disincentive to entrepreneurial and and you know aggressive kind of 
uh, development actions. Well, the other the other option would be, of course, to just go back to them, uh, ask questions about the contract. You can also modify Change any it. kind of employment contract and send it back. Some of these higher level jobs, you can you can negotiate just about anything that you can think of. Good point. Thank you for the call tonight, and good luck with that. 800-259-9231. I agree with him. You know, it is a bit of a disincentive, but I also think that you need to understand the contract, and there's nothing wrong with coming back to the table with a modified version. I mean, if if your talents are that valuable, then they'll say, okay. We'll take that. We had a guy that could, that put it in his contract. We believe that he would have the latest laptop and the latest high technology little gadgets that he wanted in order to do his job. And because he was such a great employee, he got that. He got it. Also, um, I think that at the same time, you've got to figure in in a tough employment market. There there's a larger supply of employees out there. And as an employer, as a manager, the one of the last things I want to deal with is uh, some namby pamby little complainer. And if there's a namby pamby little complainer, like if, if he's complaining already about what appears to be, to me, a very uh, normal part of his contract, I may very well just go to the next guy in um, the stack of resumes. Well, so that's true, it's, but it speaks volumes about the employer who's not going to be – how flexible are they going to be if they're not even willing to answer some basic questions? I'm just saying that you're, you're, you're making – there is a risk it all going back on with the contract. There's the a risk. I have never, never, never signed a non-compete. In my business, it is a, entirely common to sign a non-compete for at least a year inside the same – town you are at the you know in the same sort of business because they don't want you uh, developing a client list in sales uh you know radio sales and then going to the next uh radio station and taking your clients away and that intellectual property and that kind of thing so it's entirely common i have never signed a contract for that because i'm that good i know i can get it the first house i was going to rent here in new hampshire the guy wanted a social security number wanted all kinds of information that i didn't feel he was entitled to and there were other ways that I could validate, uh, you know, whatever he needed. Uh, in his contract, it also said that uh, you can't hang clothes out to dry in the backyard. And from the pictures I saw, there was a clothesline in the backyard. <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, you know, these are there's some problems here. So I wrote those up, and the guy responded just pretty hostile. And that was clear enough to me that this is not somebody that I want to rent from. If I'm going to have an issue with the house and I bring it up, and this is how he responds before I've even given him my money? Yep. No thanks. I agree. I agree. So, yeah, it all depends on who's bringing what to the table, who needs what the most. Right, who needs what the most and who's bringing what to the table. Absolutely, those are are important aspects, and it depends on how badly you need it. No doubt about it. We continue here and talk to David, listening in New York. David, you're on Free Talk Live. Evening, fellas. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? The next level of uh, national service propaganda. What's happening? Okay, you heard about the uh, Starbucks coffee offer, correct? I have not. Fill me in. All right. If you go to Starbucks and sign up for national service, you get a free cup of coffee. Are you Wait. serious? You can Completely. sign up now? And, and I remember hearing that Starbucks was having some financial issues a few months ago, too. Where but, did you get this news? Well, I've been actually, I've heard that over the AP wire, but right now really? I'm, looking, I'm looking at a video uh, ad for Starbucks titled, Starbucks Asks, Are You In? Featuring yep. MC Yogi. Starbucks and, uh, yep, sure enough, uh, partnering to raise one million hours of service across America. Uh, Starbucks is joining forces with some network to launch the I'm In campaign. Well, I'm going to look into this. We'll come back with more. And if you've got comments, hang on. We'll bring you back. 800-259-9231. And it's not a surprise. We know that there are major corporations like Time uh, Time Magazine, uh, Target, 
Home Depot, I believe, is another one of them that are behind this national service, organiz- uh, the, the concept of national service. They are behind Service Nation. We'll dig into the Starbucks story here and find out what it's all about and come back and talk to you about anything you want as well. It's Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. The toll-free number for you to bring up anything is 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Sam. And Mark, join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features we give away, so enjoy those on us, including the Shrine of Female listeners, dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com, see what it's all about. And if you are a lady listener, you can get involved over at shrine.freetalklive.com. AdamEve.com features over 18,000 adult entertainment products, toys, lingerie, over 150 movies, um, you can uh, get fast and discreet shipping with a 100% fa- uh, satisfaction guarantee. You can uh, type in FTL at the offer code coupon checkout, and uh, with an order of $17 or more, they'll throw in a free gift. So that's 50% off if you type in FTL and a seven, uh, $17 or more, you get a free gift. AdamEve.com. 800-259-9231. We go back to your calls. David in New York uh, brought us our attention to a story from Starbucks, where they are now calling for national service. Uh, and David, before we get into the details on the story, your thoughts? Yeah, I have to say the video is Orwellian because the song calls it a grassroots movement, which is the exact opposite of what it really is. Yeah. It's a multi-billion dollar corporate movement where you have Hollywood stars coming out for it before the average public even knows what's Now, wait, going I'm on. confused. Are we talking about the uh, the Hollywood stars, I'm serving Barack Obama video, or is this it's a new video? It's all the same. Yeah, I'm combining them both. Okay, I'm just wondering I'm if there's another that, video out, that's all. I'm saying there's a billion-dollar bailout money push behind this thing, so yeah. it's anything but grassroots. Great and point. here in this Starbucks video, they're calling it grassroots. Now, Ron Paul was grassroots. So Starbucks, I'm sorry, point of like clarification, this. Starbucks has their own video they're using to promote this. Yeah. It's not the one with Demi Moore and Ashton Kutcher in it. That's a no, different no, no, video. No, no, no. Yep. Got it. Where does one go to see the Starbucks video? Their website? Well, just go to YouTube. It's Starbucks asks, are you in featuring MC Yogi? Okay, very good. Thank you for the heads up on that. Appreciate it. Thank you, David, for the You're call welcome. tonight. Uh, so the story here is that Starbucks, and I, I think it's a brilliant point that he makes that this is a top down. Uh, this is top down. This is uh, from coming from above, coming from the Barack Obama and his team, as it's been called uh, in the news, and uh, spreading through these corporations, which are all command and control, top down organized structures. There's nothing grassroots about that. I think it's a brilliant point. Uh, the story is out of Seattle, where Starbucks is. Uh, launching the I'm In campaign, an, initi- an initiative to make it easy to participate in the president's call for national service. In participating Starbucks stores, American public will have the opportunity to pledge five hours or more of community service toward a local volunteer opportunity of choice. Starbucks will honor each person who pledges with a free tall brewed coffee uh, beginning uh, the 20th. was apparently, apparently between the 21st and the 25th. So if you go into Starbucks now and you fill out one of their forms, they give you a free cup of coffee. I don't know how many people are actually going to honor their pledge. Probably a bunch of people are just going to go and get themselves a free cup of coffee from Starbucks. But I'd like to point out that I have no problem with volunteering. 
None whatsoever. And if that's all that Starbucks was doing, was encouraging people to volunteer, then I'd be A-OK with it. However, there's something very nasty going on here. It's very something very subtle going on here, and that is the national service proclamations that all of the talk about national service is conflating real volunteerism with government make work bureaucracy programs like AmeriCorps and the Peace Corps and other government bureaucrat uh, low paid government bureaucrat programs. They are conflating them and they are making them sound as though they are the equivalent of one another. Right, because the government's been having all along, uh, over the last decade, uh, many of the bureaucrats are getting old and retiring and they need, and, and you know, they have these retirement programs where you work uh, well, I have 14 years and then you get a pension for the, the other 60 years of your life or mm-hmm. whatever. You know, some incredible pension programs that they have in these government programs that they don't have in the real world because they don't face the same kind of incentives. So what they need is they need these uh, farm Farm teams um, to be able to draw bureaucrats from, and that's what they want. They want to be con- be able to continue the go- um, the growth of the government. And currently, you already have more than half of the U.S. population working either in the form of an actual employee of the government or under con- for companies that have yeah. contracts with the government. I mean, everybody's a damn bureaucrat. Uh, I think it's uh, kind of funny. I got today. You can go to be the change in Inc. dot org. This is Service Nation. Yeah, it's a Service Nation thing, and you can sign up to uh, take their little pledge. And a, uh, one of my online friends uh, took uh, took the pledge here, and it says, "Thank you for joining the Service Nation nonpartisan campaign to expand citizen service opportunities, solve problems through service, and make service a core ideal in our democracy." Service Nation is a campaign by the people for the people, and especially of the people. Your help, your ideas, and your energy are vital to the success of the campaign. Um, it, it, our focus right now is a signature drive for the. Dec- Declaration of Service, our idealistic manifesto on the importance and role of service in our democracy. We're right. trying to get one million signatures. Great. We need your help. Great. No, no, there's nothing wrong with the idea of volunteering. But it sounds Orwellian, and like you say, they're conflating it together. And like working for the government is volunteering. Exactly. And this is what they've been doing for months now. They've been uh, the Service Nation organization has been active for well over a year, and they've been building up to this. And they, they and what they've done, and they had this Service Nation summit back on September 11th. We covered it extensively on this show. In fact, Bile from blogabile.com went there uh, and attended it and, and gave us the uh, the inside scoop of what was going on. And and that's and it's amazing. Remember what they were saying? They were essentially saying that yeah, volunteering's great and private uh, private things are awesome. But what's the best is when you're a government bureaucrat. They were holding up government bureaucrats as the end all be all of the greatest possible so-called volunteer opportunities out there. And they're not. It's not volunteering if you get paid. It's not volunteering if you get paid by the government. And when the government runs something, they they run it far more inefficiently than uh, the volunteer organizations do. I'm all for volunteering. But I don't like the government out there pushing all this stuff. It's very weird to me, and it's been ramping up. So it says uh, on, on uh, the, the pledge here that my friend signed up for, it says, Below is a signed copy of your declaration of service. Feel free to share it with your family and friends, and you can customize your own declaration of service. His says, I pledge to oppose this act because it is this generation's form of slavery. And then he signed underneath. Mm. And, um, I, you know, I don't know how, I, I don't know anything about how much this messes up their little system or anything like that, but it may. You're just a database entry. Yeah, that's all. Might might be, uh, you know, it's some interesting little bit of protest. If it makes you feel good, yeah. you should do it.
800-259-9231. So watch for more of this. Uh, I mean, the big corporations are getting in on this. They're promoting this. They're making it sound like it's all about volunteering. But before you know it, Barack Obama and his team are going to come out with their proposal for national service. Real national service, which means creating a government program or expanding the existing programs or both to essentially force uh, young people in America into working for the government. Now, there may be ways around it, but for the most part, if you want your kid to graduate high school, he's going to have to work for this government program. And they're going to call it service and they're going to call it volunteerism, but it's not real volunteerism it's creating new bureaucrats for the future it's bureaucratizing the american youth and essentially coercing them into uh into these roles of government where of course they'll be brainwashed ever further as though the government indoctrination camps weren't bad enough actually going and working for a government bureaucracy is just going to make that worse it's acclimating them to the idea in in 20 years people are not even going to question going to work for the government i mean it'll just be a daily part of life just like a driver's license is in order to drive right and you'll be questioned if you're the one that steps out of line and says hey i don't want to have anything to do with this i'd rather go work at a soup kitchen or a salvation army or something like that but i don't want to have anything to do with going and working for this government bureaucracy patriotic right you'll you'll be uh, you'll be slanted against you should go live in china so uh, so look out now and beware especially young parents uh, parents of, of young kids that are, you know, n- not quite old enough to be in the government school system yet. This is coming, and it will probably be in place by the time your uh, youngster gets into the fifth grade, because they're going to start in middle school. They're going to start in middle school, high school, ca- uh, and college kids. They're all going to have different, what they're going to call, incentives to go and work for the government. So the incentive for high school is the high school diploma. And, of course, everybody thinks they need a high school diploma, so all, most all parents are going to be very, uh, they're going to bow right down and they're going to submit their kids to this program because, you know, little Johnny's got to get his high school diploma. And then if you want to go on to college, then they'll give you a credit toward the amount that you're paying in college if you go and work for the government. This is bad news, and this is only where it begins. They'll expand it out from there. Before you know it, they're going to have the senior court. They're already talking about that. More coming up. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Sam. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. You like this show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, get on board with the AMP program. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com. You can join up for as little as 3 bucks a month. We'll take that money in, reinvest it into the show, getting on more radio stations around the country, bringing more Internet listeners on board, and helping expose new people to the ideas of freedom. So if that's valuable to you and you want perks like access to the AMP only call in lines, chat room, forum and more, head over to amp.freetalklive.com and get signed up. That's amp.freetalklive.com. Now Mark, you were I think in the bathroom or something, uh, but Sam and I just watched the Starbucks video that we were that uh, the caller David was mentioning earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, Starbucks with this campaign to promote the, the Barack Obama's national service program, again conflating the ideal of real volunteerism with the idea of uh, of forcing people to work for a government 
government uh, bureaucracy. That's what they are a, a part of, whether they realize it or not. Whether Starbucks realizes what they're doing or not, I don't know. Uh, they may really believe that they're on board for some sort of volunteer promotion program. But what in reality they're doing is they're giving more promotion to the idea of national service, which, as will be revealed over time, is anything but voluntary. I'll be getting some coffee for free, though, I can tell you that. <laughs> You're going to go fill out one of their cards? Yeah, I'll fill out one of your little cards here. I'll just pledge. I will pledge 18 hours a week to uh, in the pursuit <laughs> of, uh, of uh, furthering liberty for every American. There you go. <laughs> uh, so uh, I wanted to touch base, uh, touch base on one thing that we just kind of threw out there right before we went to the break. And we'll get back to the calls here in a moment. But we're talking about the senior corps. And we mentioned how the, the current plan for national service, the non-voluntary kind, the government make-work program kind, will involve young people to begin with. They're going to start by um, giving young people in middle school, high school, and college reasons to go and work for these government programs that really they just can't avoid. They, I mean, they, they'll be called incentives, but you really won't be able to avoid them. Then I suggested that the senior corps was going to be an option, and this is something Barack Obama has has thrown out there as an idea yep. to have a. You'll senior never get corps. to retire uh, with in Barack Obama's nation. Well, now, and you threw something out, Mark, and I think it was actually during during the break, so I don't think it got on the air. What was your suggestion? Well, I, I mean, obviously the government's giving out this uh, Social Security. Um, things are going to get tight with the Social Security. We know it's a Ponzi scheme. Yep. Uh, we know the baby boomers are hitting real hard right now. Hmm, what's a good way to call out some of the bad people? People. Well, obviously the people who don't uh, volunteer two, three years for the senior corps, mm-hmm. well, they'll probably get paid for it, but they have to volu- you know, volunteer for the government senior corps. They have to consent to join the corps. Consent to join the corps um, for two, three years, and then they'll get their benefits, whereas the they'll, people they'll who don't... They'll get the plus well, package. They'll get the plus package, which has the better benefits, and everybody else will get the standard package, which is the downgraded ones, which well, is like what they did in 1984. The only thing you can buy is dog food and dry beans. Yeah, that's interesting. I think that's an interesting uh, point, gents, because I think that's the way they're going to go with it. I mean, look at what happened in New York State, where they uh, were running out of money, and the, uh, the, old, the, the, the or actually the old folks that were living in New York State were running out of money, and to pay the property taxes with, which just keep going up because, well, I mean, when because they were they re- can. when they were retiring, they didn't envision having to pay as much property taxes as they're paying now, and so they just couldn't afford it. And so they were coming to the government people in their towns and saying, "Well, we still want to live here in this pretty little town, but we can't afford to pay the property taxes." So what did they do? Well, the, the government bureaucrats, in their brilliance, came up with uh, what is essentially kind of a bizarre slavery program, where essentially. You, as an old person, a retiree, would go and work at a government job, perhaps going in and answering phones for your bureaucracy or working in the the school library or something like that, some sort of government task where you would go in and you'd work, and instead of getting paid for that task, they'd credit you money toward the property tax (laughs) bill. So if you wanted to stay and live where you were living, and uh, you'd have to go to work for the government as as essentially a servant. Yeah, they don't mind having the compliant old people stay in town. So that's what they'll do with the, the Social Security program. If you want Social Security, you'll have to work X amount of hours per year, or like you say, maybe for two or three years straight, in the Senior Corps program in order to uh, have the dole paid out to you. So if you want those Social Security benefits and you are somehow disabled, you've got an injured back, whatever, you can't do this, let's, let's think about it down the road. What's going to happen? They're going to have to have some kind of a, a board of directors or agencies that you go to to plead your case to, to tell them why you should be able to get the Social Security benefits. Without working. 
without actually having to do the work. And that's going to need, they're going to need a lot of bureaucrats to come in and do that. And I, I would uh, suspect that they're going to have to deal with a lot of fraudulent people coming in and trying to claim this so that they can get the benefit without doing the work. Which, and better, bureauc- the- which better bureaucrats than the old people that are actually doing what they, uh, you know, what, what the government says to do? Oh, there, there you go. Uh, so they, they'll have to sit there the in, front of, board. Uh, yeah, uh, in front of uh, the, their uh, other oldsters and yeah. say, no, you must do I had to do three <laughs> years right. of service. I'm doing the right thing. Don't you love your... We're the greatest generation. Buck up. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like World War Two, and we're going after the yeah. Kaiser. You should want to. You should want to pitch in. Because that's what that's the term they're using now a lot. It was in the Starbucks video. I've heard it thrown out there before. It's just time to pitch in, guys. It's time to get together and come together like a community and pitch in. Well, you know what? Again, volunteering, fine. But forcing people, threatening people, not so great. And I wouldn't call working for the government volunteering. No, it's not. It's voluntary in that you are choosing to go and work for them. But it's not volunteering in that you're doing something for your community just because you want to and you're not getting paid for it. This is just a result of the government getting into so many different areas of life that they can get away with things like this. I mean, if if they didn't have a Social Security system, would they be able to pull something like this off? If they didn't have all of these other regulations and things that you have to go do just to live a normal life in, in uh, today's America, this is how they get away with it. They get you on under all of these little wraps and all of these yep. little procedures and processes, and then they put the screws to you. And they yeah. tell you you're unpatriotic if you don't want to go along with it. Yes, you are. Let's continue with your calls. We'll talk to Paula. Paula, you're on Free Talk Live. Paula in Florida? Go yeah, on. hi, hon. Hello. I'm just listening to you, and I tell you what, this is horrible. This is just truly, I mean, how can, I mean, yeah, people can't even afford, you know, they wouldn't have the gas money to be able to get these places because they don't make enough money on Social Security. Oh, they'll send the government bus to come pick them up. So now, Paula, I know you were connected with, with Bush, and you could get him on the phone. What about Obama? He's family, too, <laughs> through his mom. He is. Okay. Yeah. Great. Anyway, I mean, this is why he he got the presidency, because he only one family can become right. president. Yeah. But anyway, this thing about um, uh, what I called about, uh, we have got to warn people about this MSG. Oh, MSG at, this week. Okay. Okay. Yeah, my husband would be taking to the I hospital. I love it. MSG, it's so tasty. You just shake it right on the food well, that doesn't taste good. It makes it's it taste better. Dangerous. It's amazing. My husband just had to go to the hospital because of it. I know. I, I, I know it's a serious issue for a lot of people. There are some people that are severely allergic to MSG, and oh, I, under- yeah. I, I understand that. Right. But Anything I, that has it in it, I have, a, I have allergies anyway. And it make, as a matter of fact, I just got very congested from eating some noodles I had. It's actually been a while since I've used my accent shaker. I think it's still around here somewhere. But I, you can actually but, go and buy MSG in like a salt shaker and just pour oh, it on food. God. Well, anyway, this stuff is highly dangerous. It messes Paula, up your whole cardio system. The what? It'll do what? It messes up your whole cardio system to your heart. My oh. husband started having angina today, but we had to take him to the hospital today. Oh man, I'm sorry and, to hear and, that. But well, anyway, now, what do you propose, uh, Paul? I mean, you're just trying to get people to stop uh, using MSG voluntarily. You would never force uh, well, I mean, people to if stop they, manufacturing. They want to be sick, fine, eat it. Yeah. But I mean, if they want to be healthy, don't eat it. You know. And right. my brother-in-law just died from the aspartame poisoning. I mean, he died a horrible death. I mean, brain tumor after brain tumor after brain tumor. So what do you think it is about monosodium glutamate that is so much more dangerous than, say, sodium? It makes you violent, okay? Really? It causes ADHD, causes uh, ADD. Um, I mean, it, ca- it causes all sorts of uh, very serious problems. And uh, matter of fact, I was just talking to Dr. Martini. You know, one time, I w- one time um, Paula, when I went without sleep for a long time and I went crazy, mm-hmm. uh, I believe that they, uh, the Chinese people 
and that were running the the Chinese uh, d- 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 takeout places mm-hmm. were actually all involved in a grand conspiracy to do something to the American population. Uh, and I think you might have stumbled onto what it is, and that is they're going to feed us their MSG uh, in order to make us crazy and violent. Well, I mean, it does, what do you think about that? that. One? Yeah, do you I think mean, it's the Chinese people? This, because I mean. Stop. Do you, th- you think it's the takeout places, Paula? Are they behind this? Yeah, my son just got some stuff from a Chinese place. Uh-huh, here. see? There you go. Thank you for the call, Paula. I knew I was on to something. 800-259-9231. All, in all seriousness, I love Chinese takeout, and mm-hmm. I like Chinese people. They are some of the hardest-working uh, people out there. They're, They're great. Um, and, and very family-oriented and... Uh, I. Uh, you know, I, I find them to be very friendly and outgoing. Uh, you know, you often think of Oriental people as being demure, but not Chinese. They're not that way at all. They're you know, yelling at each other across the restaurant. I like it personally. Yeah, yeah. So eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. We continue and talk to Jeremy in Montana. Jeremy, you are on Free Talk Live. Jeremy. Hey guys, uh, I had a couple of things, but I was wondering about this Starbucks deal. Uh... I mean, that's gonna take all the ones or like the um. Uh, Tell you what, have another drink. We'll bring you back in hour three, and we'll see if you can make a coherent point. Hang on, Jeremy. More coming back. Sometimes he's really spot on. Sometimes he's been tossing them back. More with Jeremy and your calls about anything. This is Free Talk Live. Hour three is coming up. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line we're launching here in Hour 3 of the show. And it's Ian here with you. And Sam. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features we give away, so enjoy those on us. Another great website to visit is Sam's site. That's obscuredtruth.com. Well, actually, there's no real website there. It's a link to your YouTube channel where people can see uh, some really great videos uh, that you've been producing over the last uh, year or so. Of course, more to come. In fact, I believe you're going to be uploading a new one here relatively soon. Uploading a new one. It's a little different style than what I've done before, but we'll see what people think. People can see that over at Obscured truth.com and make sure you click the subscribe button so you can keep up to date on what sam is releasing because it's good stuff all right we continue here with your phone calls and we're going to try jeremy again jeremy in montana all right you got a point for us go ahead well i just wanted to explain myself you know um like uh because when, when i'm when i get you, when i'm listening to you guys and the other callers and everything like i I call up on a subject that you're talking about, and then, like, you have three or four other callers, and then all of a sudden, something that really means a lot to me uh, about all of them comes along, and mm-hmm. I want to in on all of them. And, but, yeah. Hey, hey, I wish you guys would do that every time I call, whether I'm drinking or not. <laughs> I'm not I'm, doing it, Jeremy. That's all, Ian. I've always wondered if the callers could hear that. Yes. I can make it so they can't, but yeah, they can hear them right now. <laughs> it's terrible. Well, I want that to be my motto, whether I'm drinking or not. But uh, Yeah, you need a theme song. Like uh, Nazareth, son of a bitch. We could uh, just uh, cue that up every time you call. Now I'm messing with her. Yeah, except that would take more work on my part. Yeah. So, Jeremy... 
guys, you guys ain't afraid to have fun a little bit. You well, know, we're not, and you're not either, obviously, and I appreciate that, and, and we like to have a little bit of fun on this show. In fact, if it you wasn't know, fun, I wouldn't do it. But uh, I was calling about the uh, Starbucks thing earlier yes, because that's going to put all those guys that are going in jail and doing a community service uh, for the courts out of work, you know, if everyone starts mm. doing that, so... Well, that's an interesting point. Will there be any more volunteer opportunities if, indeed, a whole bunch of people step up and volunteer? What will happen to those doing community service? I don't know. I think there will always be something else you can do. You can always go pick up litter somewhere or something like that. I, inevitably, there will be something. Well, military recruitments are up just because the economy is going south and people are, are finding themselves with no alternatives for jobs. So the government's the only one hiring because they're not using real money. They're just uh, printing it they up. They can make as much as they want. Jeremy, any other thoughts tonight? Yeah, I had uh, one other thing. Uh, I was wondering if there's any way to do a uh, free trial on the amp line until uh, I could get a uh, credit card, you know, like a paid credit card, because I don't believe in credit cards. <laughs> but You know, it never hurts to ask. Uh, however, I'm not going to do that. So you'll have to uh, come up with something, or you know, you've got internet. You can email, or you can go to uh, you can go to amp.freetalklive.com, and there are instructions there as to how you could pay with a money order. So we can accept alternate options. You don't necessarily have to have a credit card. So check that out. All right. Because then that way I have time to type out my message, and I don't have to be Mr. Speedo all the freaking time. There you go. Thanks for the call, dude. Appreciate hearing from you. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. What does the amp line have to do with the typing out a message? I have no idea. And I don't know what the Speedo thing Mr. is. Mr. Speedo either. to you, sir. It's Mr. Speedo. We <laughs> That's can what we can call him from now on when he calls Mr. Speedo. In. Mr. Speedo. <laughs> Let's talk to Chip in Missouri. Chip, you are on Free Talk Live. Hello. Yes. Are you familiar that the New World Order is trying to kill? It was used to be 80%, then 90%. Now it's 99% of us, according to Alex <laughs> Jones, because he ruined the economy. Alex Alex Jones is a fact machine. They're trying to kill 99% of us. Alex that Jones is that, a fact machine. Is that what you said? Yeah. Did you hear? He was talking about how the how animals are going to sue us and, and the cockroaches are going to sue us. Eh, well, so I, I don't know. I, I, I don't listen to the show, so know. I can't comment. Hello? You don't kill them because we might get sued. Who are we? What now? Say that again. Alex Jones said like animals are going to be suing us now. And yeah. He, he specifically mentioned the cockroaches. So I want to like hmm. spread the information. Like sounds like, like misinformation like, have, to me. Bugs? Now look, I don't know bugs? Alex Jones, but uh, Sam, you've actually had the opportunity to do a little business with him. Does he sound like a kind of guy who would say that cockroaches would be suing someone? I don't think so. No, I, I'm not a regular listener to the show. I've heard a few of a few segments off of YouTube. I watched the uh, Naomi Wolf interview; was one of my favorites. Uh, I found that to be very factual. He he backs up all of his uh, stories with sources and. Saying that cockroaches are going to come back and sue people through the government courts, that... Well, uh, perhaps uh, lawyers will fire, file class action suits if animals get enough rights, as oh, uh, plenty of uh, there you go. You know, the, the far-left uh, you know, progressive types want to see that happen. Then lawyers would file class action suits. Now the animals that, themselves, yeah. I don't know how they're going to benefit. Now, that makes some sense. Now, I, I've heard him claim that uh, the elites want to destroy over 80% of the world's population. I haven't heard it, I haven't heard it up to 99% at this point, uh, but I'll... I'll go ahead and uh, rebut that one. I'm, it just doesn't make sense to me why, if you are an elite and what you're in search of is power over others, why you would want to exterminate 
80% of the world's working population. Of your the, livestock. Uh, well, essentially, yes, the livestock of which you are extracting wealth from and that uh, toil in factories around the world to create the very products and, uh, and things that you enjoy in your life as a world elite. So it just doesn't make sense from their perspective of if they are enjoying their life in their, uh, their pretty houses and their fancy cars and their fancy boats, uh, why they would want all those things to uh, stop production. Because if you kill the producers, you'll stop production. Yeah, any, any thoughts to that? Anything to add, caller? He's gone. 800-259-9231. I didn't think he'd have much to say. The best analogy I've heard for the bankers that really kind of brought it home for me is if you're playing the game of Monopoly and one player in the game has the ability to print the Monopoly money, who's going to end up with all the property? That player. Exactly. Yeah. So that's that's what the bankers are doing and, and what the uh, Federal Reserve is able to do by printing all this money they they put uh, the economy through these boom and bust cycles by uh, inflating and uh, reducing the money supply and taking capital in the process. Right, and what good would it do? I mean, to, to continue with the analogy of the or the monopoly analogy, what good would it do if you were that monopoly player who was printing the money and owning all the property? Why would you want to exterminate the other players in the game? Then you wouldn't be able to extract any rent from anybody. Yeah, and, and who's going to bring martinis to you? Exactly. Thank you. Uh, thank you for the call, dude. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. We continue with Bill in Kentucky. You are on Free Talk Live. Hello, Bill. Hey, what's up, guys? Bill, what's on your mind tonight? Well, I'm officially scared of the police state. You're officially scared? Yeah. What happened? I wasn't already. Okay. Um, don't get a chance to watch a lot of TV, but at work, I was compelled to the TV with the inauguration because everybody else wanted to see it. Hmm. And just the comment, more so than the fact that there were 30,000 troops there, was the fact that they said that there were 5,000 cameras on the inauguration. 5,000 uh, government cameras or 5,000 yeah. people cameras? 5, 000, no, 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 5,000 security cameras. 5,000 cameras that were all linked to a central location hmm. where if they saw anything suspicious whatsoever, it would be uh, sent to that centralized location where that was. And bam, we're on it, and because we got at least thirty thousand people on the ground. Well, maybe nah. maybe what they were trying to do was forestall the next set of conspiracy theories. You know, because uh, every time you've got uh, some big event like this, somebody comes out with, "Oh, George Day was the New World Order Trilateral Commission." You know, uh, they've got something. So with five thousand cameras that they can report every second, every moment, every angle, every minuscule detail of the shooting of the uh, the the, the the president, which I, I'm not saying I want to see that happen, um, it, then they could just say, look, it wasn't the Cubans. It wasn't the CIA. It wasn't this group. It wasn't that group. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. Here's the proof. Oh, I don't know about that, Mark. It's oh. still, the, the conspiracy people will always find a way to tie it back to the New World Order. Well, but, but it just show the, show how much more nuts they are with the I don't next think theory. That they're thinking. I don't think that the, uh, the, the government people are even considering those things. But what, what but you're also, saying now, you're afraid of the police state. Was it the cameras that freaked you out? Well, I mean, it's not that I wasn't already scared. You know, like, uh, you know, there is a police state. It's that that really put it into perspective. Like, it's too far gone. I mean, it's, if you can't acknowledge after 5,000 cameras in one place that it's not gone. Well, it, it, let me tell you, I thank you for the call. If that didn't put it into perspective, uh, the murders that the police get away with, We'll put it into perspective, and Sam's got an update on the BART murder down in uh, San Francisco. The cop that shot a man who was handcuffed, lying on the ground, in the back, 
in front of a crowd of people. We'll find out what the latest is on that. Take your calls as well about anything. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the number, 800-259-9231. And it's Ian here with you. And Sam. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features we give away, including updates. You get signed up. We keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com. Get on the list free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Have the stories of civil disobedience here in New Hampshire touched, moved, and inspired you, but you're unable for whatever reason to be involved? Well, now you can. The Civil Disobedience Evolution Fund at cdevolution.org allows you to care for these brave men and women by financially supporting them while they face down the organizations that operate through violence and coercion. cdevolution.org. That's cdevolution.org. We continue with your phone calls, and we go to OJ in Nebraska. OJ, you're on Free Talk Live. Evening, gentlemen. Hey, what's on your mind? Well, uh, the the caller about the Alex Jones stuff, I think uh, there might be a misunderstanding there. Uh, when he's talking about uh, cockroaches filing lawsuits against us, when, if Alex Jones said that, I don't think he's referring to the uh, the insect, but probably to the attorneys themselves. Ah, that makes sense. <laughs> anyway, uh, last night uh, you got to talking about Mexico and... Uh, some instability there, and uh, the the possibility of the U.S. moving in and uh, occup- an occupation and uh, potential for suicide terrorism mm-hmm. was brought up. Um, have you have you been to Mexico recently? No, I have not. No. Okay, I've been there a couple times in the last five years, mm-hmm. and even pretty far down south. Uh, you see uh, police officers, soldiers, uh, heavily armed, uh, walking around in public. I argue that they're pretty much occupied right now mm. uh, by their their own government. Um, it's it's very in your face. It shouldn't be long before it's that way here in America. I mean, it's certainly that way in some places. If you go to Wall Street, you'll see heavily armed people, uh, heavily armed government agents uh, and security guards walking around. And certainly uh, the border, uh, the border stops, the checkpoints, the random checkpoints they have. Uh, that's kind of intimidating. And of course, we know that the U.S. military plans on having twenty thousand army troops in the streets uh, here in in America by uh, by twenty eleven. So that's coming here soon. So you know, I'd kind of question that. You question that? I yeah, I I don't. I don't think you're going to have troops on the street. I think what they're talking about is uh, response for chemical or biological warfare. That's where it starts, OJ. They they're going to well, they're, they're starting by being advisors to the police when some sort of uh, whether it's chemical or biological or just a hurricane uh when some sort of disaster strikes you'll see more and more uh, American military out there in the streets and I think you'll start to and because they have pledged to have American troops essentially having a tour in the in the so-called homeland uh you'll start to see more presence whether they're actually occupying the streets or not and in, in that they're standing around watching things I don't think that's going to happen right away, but you'll see more military vehicles driving around. You'll see more uh, military out and about. Well, and they have to get the troops themselves used to doing these kinds of acts as well. Uh, the, some people that I interviewed that were fleeing the last hurricane that hit New Orleans, not the, the major one that caused all the damage, 
uh, they had troops at the airport, and any time like these people went out to go smoke, a, uh, a armed MP would go up and ask them for their ID and demand to, to see their ID. The MP that was doing this with the machine gun was not happy about it. He felt very uncomfortable. And he told him, look, I'm sorry I have to do this, but I'm just following orders, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. After 10 times, it's not going to be as big of a deal. After 100, 1,000 times, it's going to be, give me your ID. Oh, I hope I hope that's wrong. That sounds like a radio in the background. Are He's you, a cop. OJ yeah, is OJ the cop. So what do you? Th- I mean, do you do you see any kind of correlation between like uh, the first time you write a ticket and how uh, you know the the blood gets flowing and it's a it's an intense experience versus the hundredth time where it gets to be routine and anybody who kind of uh, steps out of the line you, that's where the the cops get an attitude. Well, not so much that. I've I've got my own little rule. Uh there there's there's some people that uh or some officers that they make up their mind absolutely whether they're going to give a ticket or a warning before they walk up to the car. Hmm. Um, I don't have that that kind of a firm mindset. My one rule is that I will never allow anybody to talk themselves into a ticket. If I've decided to give a warning, I'm giving a warning period. If if I've decided to give a ticket, if uh, if there's a, a good reason, or if if I feel that it's not necessary to give them a ticket after talking to them, so OJ, I'll, I'll, I'll change my mind that way. Say you had uh, you pulled somebody over maybe for speeding, and you walk up to the car and the windows only rolled down an inch, and they ask, <laughs> "How can I? How could I help you?" Mark's just fell out of his chair. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> What, how, well, how would you feel gonna, in that situation? I'll introduce myself and tell them what uh, the reason I pulled them over. Okay, so you um, wouldn't demand what, to get them out of the car or to roll the window all the way down or anything uh, like that? No, so long as they can hear me and I can hear them, I'm, I'm happy. Okay. And OJ's a reasonable go, dude, you know. <laughs> Not all of them hate people who want to stand up for their rights. Nope, no. not all of them. OJ, always good to hear from you, man. Thanks for the call. I appreciate right. it as always. Let's talk to Rob in Georgia on the amp line. Hello, Rob. Hey, how's it going, guys? Just super, Rob. What's on your mind? Well, I wanted to talk about this. Uh, hey, one one quick that. question. I'm sorry to interrupt. Are you on a like a uh, a handset phone or something like that, or? or... Uh, yeah. Let me get to the. I can get to the handset. Or not, to, not to, yeah, I, I, it sounds like you're on one of those. And a handset wasn't the word I was looking for. One of the earbud Ear, things. Earpiece. Earbuds, yeah. yeah. So that would be hey, how's awesome. That? Better. Okay. Yeah, I wanted to talk about this uh, national service stuff and kind of the general uh, tone of Obama worship. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I listened to the MC Yogi thing, uh, you know, and, and I found it deeply offensive to use a rap song for a pro-state agenda. You know, uh, <laughs> I mean, to me it's kind of like – to me it's kind of like uh, – Preparing pork according to a kosher recipe. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Mm. Well, I mean, it was like, okay, whatever. So, uh, and then, you know, I'm kind of thinking in terms of, uh, you know, people have really elevated Obama to the status of this sort of messianic character. And, you know, it's really, it's really quite frightening in the, in the sense that, you know, the, the traditional anti-American element have largely been worked into a sort of patriotic fervor by Obama. I mean, they, uh, they I, blindly, uh, I've described they, that. They blindly buy into this change thing, and I I haven't seen anyone really explain what change means, just that the change is coming. Yep. And he's black. Yeah. <laughs> well, 
you know, hey, everybody needs a black guy around. Right. I know I was, I was actually telling, uh, I was, I was telling uh, a couple of my friends that, you know, this is a really good time to be a token black, so I'm declaring myself the leader of the libertarian movement. <laughs> All right, go, Rob. I like that kind of change. Yeah, we could do a lot. Of, we could do a lot with that. So, Rob, I, I I've been, uh, I, I, I called in on a progressive talk show that's in the local area, and I told them that I just found it disgusting that the, it seemed like the only thing they could say about. Uh, um, Obama was that he was the first black president, and I, I you know, I, I think that that's to me that sounds racist, you know, sort of in an opposite direction, but racist nonetheless. Um, I'd like to bring you back and uh, see what you have to say about uh, just the, the the biggest, most important thing about Obama seeming to be that he's black. Hang on, more with Rob in Georgia, and your calls as well. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's the SACL CAI toll free line, and this is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Sam. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. And uh, those features, by the way, include the wiki. Over 1,800 pages created by listeners like you. It's like the listener-editable version of our website. Just go to wiki.freetalklive.com and get interactive for free. That's wiki. WIKI.freetalklive.com as we go back to Rob in Georgia. Uh, Rob, you're back on Free Talk Live. Uh, I don't know if you were done uh, saying what you'd called about. I know Mark wanted to go off in a different direction. So, uh, no, we can go in that different direction. Go ahead, Mark. So I was just, uh, it's, it seemed to me that every time I heard, I've heard, uh, Barack Obama's name mentioned in the last couple of months, the next, the first, the next thing I hear is the, this nation's first black president or first African American president or whatever way they want to spin it. And to me, I, I, either either A, I'm sick and tired of it, or B, um, I think it's racist. I, I think that it's it's sad that they uh, that that the best thing they can come up with to say about this guy is that he's black. What do you think? You're black. Well, you I, tell mean, us. I, I think I think that there there are several elements in, at play here. Uh, one of them, which I've heard from multiple sources, and I have to agree with, is that to some degree, uh, white people kind of want absolution from the sins of their forefathers. I suppose. Um, the other thing I believe is that a lot of black people want uh, someone, a famous black who is in no way associated with um, sort of black low culture. Um, so you kind of got that sort of perfect storm of those things coming together. But then also, mm. I look at Obama as being the sort of guy who people can kind of project their idealized America upon. You figure that the guy is half black, half white, the uh, son of an immigrant. He was born and reared. He was born in and was reared in places, uh, well, places where there are large Asian populations, so around Asian. So he's he's the sort of person who you can sort of project that multiculturalism upon. The only thing he doesn't have is, is uh, Hispanic, Latin uh, sort of influence. But I think sort of everybody can kind of get a piece is uh, is kind of what it comes right down to there. So everyone can kind of project their idealized notion of America on him. And actually, that's one of the things I consider to be most uh, dangerous about him. It's not a particular personal fault of him of his, but I have referred to it as anthropomorphizing the American civic religion. 
Hey, mm-hmm. hey, Rob, um, you're black, and so clearly you can speak for the entire black population <laughs> in America. That was the joke that I was what, making. <laughs> what does it mean to uh, the black community, uh, from from your perspective, to have a, a black uh, president? Uh, there's a rap song about it that's being played constantly on uh, some of the XM stations that just glorifies them, and I... It's disgusting to me. You're probably but... talking about uh, Jeezy. My president's black. My little yes, mammal. That's, that's it. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, the young Jeezy um, is is out of Atlanta, and one of the guys who I went to college with, one of my best friends, is actually his manager. So believe you me, I'm very familiar with that song. Uh. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I mean, it's it, it, black people. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a, there's definitely a sense of uh, of pride and enthusiasm. I, I've what the two times, the two days where I can honestly say I believe that I, you know, I most of the people who I associate with and always associated with are black, and the two times where I'd say the friendliest I've ever heard black people in my entire life were the day after the election and the day of the inauguration. I mean, everybody was saying, "Hey, uh, you know, brother, can I help you?" I mean, it was it was it was something. I was just like, I was like, wow, this. But yeah, you, there was definitely a lifting of spirits, which was very palpable. Hmm. Fascinating. You know, I found uh, I, I, I don't know. You know, uh, your your experience is exactly as your experience is. I'm not trying to dissuade that at all. But I've found that uh, uh, black people are more friendly on the streets um, and uh, greet you, uh, or you know, if if not, they'll at least return a greeting. When so so many, if if we're gonna make uh, blanket uh, racial statements, I've personally, in my experience, found black people to be more friendly on the streets rather than less. But more than, friendly oh, yeah, than white no, people. I agree That's with my you. experience. Black people do usually speak to one another, but it was more enthusiastic, believe you me. Okay. I'm not saying that they're normally not enthusiastic. No, I, I find that black people speak far more than any other race, at least to me, but then again, hey, I'm black. Um, but, uh, yeah, but but I'm telling you, those two days, it was like, I mean, the difference I saw was just amazing. I was like, wow. Quick question. I, I mean, since we're talking about the issue of race, and we've got this bigoted guy that's been calling every single night. In fact, he's on hold right now. Uh, but I'm, I'm just curious. I mean, obviously there are racists in all over the place. There are black racists and white racists, and and of course I I, I hate the idea that we even have to deal with this stuff. But I'm curious. Are are is there any sort of underlying current, or is there any presence of uh, certain people in the black community who are anti Obama because he's not black enough for them? Oh sure. I, I when um when he was first running, I certainly heard of some people who did not really consider him black. Now, for the most part, those people tended to be older. Uh, I believe mm-hmm. that Obama kind of scared the pants off of what I call the uh, the black political class, the traditional old black preacher types, the people in their 60s now and 70s and even 80s. Uh, those people really, because he's so much an outsider, he has really nothing in common with what is traditional black culture in this country. I mean, he, there's just no ancestry for him there. Mm. Interesting. Any other thoughts for uh, Rob while we've got him here? Yep, uh, we've uh, we've drained you out of your uh, your, your blackness this evening. <laughs> hey, hey, Rob, yeah, I really I've been uh... leashed white. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, I really, I really enjoy your perspective and love hearing your calls. I do too. It's okay, one, of, one of our most brilliant callers. I thank you, sir, for the call tonight, as always, and your patience as well. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one, and we go to Scott in Massachusetts. Scott, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, gentlemen. Scott, Hello, it, must, it must really bug you to hear an intelligent black person uh, talking on these airwaves. It must really get uh, get your goat because you are uh, you know a bigot and you hate everybody that's not a white uh, uh, white racist. 
Well, I think that in a way you're 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 quoting hypocrisy because I'll tell you why I've been listening intently what you're saying and let's face it we have a communist government that's what America's headed for down the path of communism as we speak and uh, I've heard the term international bankers and new world order and the Federal Reserve and if I'm correct uh, this is all double talk for uh, for our Zionist occupied government or Zog and I'm labeled I'm stigmatized as a racist a bigot you are. an anti-Semite you a are Jew a bigot hater. And you are a racist. You're hiding all of these terms when they really mean Jew. But, Scott, here's the problem. Okay. (laughs) Let's let's assume for a second what you're saying is true, and that the handful of people that are running the country are all Jewish, or they're controlled by some kind of remote-controlled Jew satellite dish out there. They've got the Jew chip in their head. But it, it would still be bigoted because the vast majority of Jews in America don't aren't involved in this and have nothing to do with it and are controlled by these same people. That's still racist. But Scott. I leave you with a thought. We have a Jewish Bolshevik government. I consider it a Zionist-occupied government or Zog. There's now you're repeating yourself. That... Sam had a question for you, I think. Scott, yeah. could it be that, uh, would you agree that people who grow up in different areas of the world grow up with a different culture, with different values and beliefs? Of course they do. Okay, so could the Jewish people just simply be better uh, because of their culture, because of their beliefs, because of the way that they're brought up? Whatever it is, they're slightly more inclined to get into something like banking or, uh, you know, whatever it is Show you're business. accusing them of. Show business. Could they, they just could, be better at that because of their culture and maybe well, there's not frank, this big conspiracy? Let's be frank, gentlemen. I never said the Jews are morons. In fact, they're a brilliant race. What I'm saying is the Jews lack morality. They have no morality whatsoever. And if you don't you know, know, I've got lots of Jewish friends, and that is really insulting. The fact yeah. is that those uh, the, the people that I have that are Jewish friends are extraordinarily moral. And that's why you're, you're, you're making a big like Bernie Madoff. I don't know Bernie Madoff, <laughs> Scott. I've never met him. He may be a bad guy. He sounds like a bad guy. Jewish bankers are. I'd like to say get one out thing. of here. Done with you for tonight. Goodbye. That's why you're a racist because you label everybody as though they're the same simply because they were born in a similar place or have a similar belief system, uh, religion rather, or they have the same a hair color, way, wear or, a little hat, yeah, or whatever. Just disgusting. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That is the SACL CAI toll free line. Just enough time for your calls. I'm hoping we get to get to the uh, the Bart update here. Might be able to pack it into uh, the final segment coming up here in moments at eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. Only moments remain. Just enough time for your call if you make it right now. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Sam. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features we give to you. Now, if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Enter Amazon through that link. And Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. And that's Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Used items, brand new items, whatever. You know Amazon. They're the world's largest Internet retailer. And they've got the brands you trust at great prices. Free super saver shipping in many, many cases. So shop and Free Talk Live gets a cut. If you enter through Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. 
as we continue here with your calls. Alex, in New Jersey, you are on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hello, hey, Alex. Hi. What's on your mind? Uh, I was talking with a guy just a few hours ago, and he was uh, telling me that the bailouts are totally needed, and I was talking to him about unintended consequences with the market and how false signals can get sent, etc. And um, I was talking about how government regulations in the banking industry have caused more people to get loans, etc., etc., and we got onto the topic of credit cards. And he told me that a contract between a bank and a customer regarding a credit card is not valid because nobody can read and understand what the terms are and the clauses are in the contract. My argument is that buyers should beware and that the buyer has all the terms spelled out, and if they sign it, they should be bound to it. But he says that they're not even valid anyway because nobody can understand it. And I'm having trouble getting through to him that government intervention is bad. What do you think I can say to him? to rebut his claim. Well, I think government intervention is bad. However, I will take his side on uh, the point that the contract with a credit card company is not, in my opinion, is not a real contract because it's one-sided. Uh, they don't sign anything. You sign something. It's, uh, it's I forget, there's a, there's an actual term for that kind of contract. Equal consideration. Um, well, I don't know. That's probably a factor, but, uh, but essentially there is no other party. It's a corporation. It's a file folder. You're not not really contracting with another uh, another party, uh, and in addition to that, when you're signing one of those contracts, in a lot of in a lot of cases, the contract usually has a modification clause that will allow the corporation to modify the contract. In many cases, without even providing notification of the contract modifications, um, but frequently they'll send you you know a little something in the mail saying, "Oh, well, we've changed the rules, and now here they are." And of course, you can opt out and you can cancel the the agreement. Uh, in many cases, but uh, I, I just don't feel like it's as valid of a contract as a contract between two consenting individuals who've had a meeting of the minds. So I don't know if I can completely back you on it. Used for government regulation. What did you say? I'm sorry. Uh, unfortunately, he will use that as an excuse for government regulation. Well, the fact is, um, it's it's a result of government regulation. Governments were um, the government was regulating banks before the before credit cards even existed. So the fact is that people rely on their agreement, you know, their their uh, the social contract with the government to protect them from credit card companies, rather than um, relying on themselves because they know that there's you know there's no one to go to and complain about if they sign a. Contract contract that says that they're going to give up their firstborn or whatever. So my argument could be that without a government regulating the banks, the contracts would be a lot easier to read and understand, and it could be to, uh, go both ways. Bring up, Yeah, and bring up how many uh, credit card companies are out there. I mean, there's basically Visa and MasterCard, and every bank goes through one of those two major clearinghouses. Sure, there's some others, but how do they get to, to grow so big? It's by using all of these government regulations to their advantage. Right, right. And you can always point out the old standby that government regulation benefits those who are established, benefits those who are in uh, in those positions of power and influence, and it does nothing for the little guy. I mean, he may believe that they'll do something for him someday, but the reality is uh, big corporations have no problem with regulations because they just absorb the costs, they increase their uh, their prices by a cent or whatever, and they cover the costs and they hire whatever new lawyers they need to to, uh, to deal with the regulations while other people that might want to 
to get into the credit card business, make it, it makes it that much more difficult for them to come in and compete. It's a result of government. It's the same way the political parties are. It's the same way the phone company is. You have one or two, maybe a small handful of providers that have managed to jump through all the hoops and get through all of the mess of regulations in order to do business. And the barrier for entry is so high. Tell him, ask him what it would take, what he would have to do to get licensed to uh, open up his own credit card network. Right, right. Those are some very good points. Thank you, guys. For Thanks, your- Alex. Always appreciate hearing from you. Let's talk to Stephen in Colorado. Stephen, you're on Free Talk Live. Stephen, Colorado. Hey, hey, you're on the air. Hey, um, yeah, I uh, I just wanted to make the observation, the Hamas-Israel um, little miniature war that was going on, might be a good example of uh, one of the problems with democracy, because certainly all of the people who were getting bombed and killed and having their heads blown off did not vote for Hamas. Some of them were very strongly against Hamas, uh, and yet Hamas won the election by a democratic process, and uh, they were bombed right along with the people who voted for Hamas. Good point. Yep, just thought I'd throw that out there. Thanks, Stephen. Glad you did. Let's continue and talk to Doug in Illinois. Doug, you are on Free Talk Live. Hi. Hi. I enjoy listening to you guys here on the Internet. Thank you, Doug. What's on your mind tonight? I like, like to use you guys for the, my background here in the house all the time. Very good. Well, you were talking about how they were, how the New World Order would cut back population. They've got a uh, well, no, Huge we, we weren't talking about that. Somebody brought it up, and I, did, I denied that uh, I believe there was any truth to it. Go ahead with your thoughts. Well, if you Google uh, the Georgia Guidestone, it, some people call it the Stonehenge of America. they got these huge granite monuments that somebody has put up in Georgia. Uh-huh. Yep, I've and heard about them. in eight or ten languages, it tells what the New World Order's position is in, the, in what's coming up. And in all, all the languages, it says that they want to decrease the world population to 500 million. Okay, so you're uh, saying that somebody put some stones up, and because some stones say something, that that has any you know real bearing on what's going to happen. These are multi-million dollar stones. I mean, I don't. Why would the New World Order warn warn you? I mean, so far they've been quite um, surreptitious to the point that the vast majority of the public don't know who the New World Order is. Why would they put up a giant stone monument telling everybody who they are and what they're doing now? Well, they like to put stuff right out. In front of you. Okay, so you're telling me if I'm this New World Order, uh, what would he be? Not a henchman, but a, a mastermind, let's say. There you go. And well, they, they've, they've traced the, the money down. Okay, to, uh, okay, hold on. Uh, let's say. Out of New York. Uh, hold on. <laughs> I am this, this uh, New World Order mastermind, okay? I've got billions of dollars. Nothing is out of my reach. If I want to go, <laughs> if I want to go shoot a little 13-year-old kid in Vietnam, I could arrange that and pay for it and have it done. You're going to tell me that with having anything that I want at my fingertips, I'm going to want to reduce the population to what was it, 90 million? How 500 many? million. 500 million. And, and reduce the, the potential new advancements in technology and science that I pretty much want to stop life right and where chicks. it is. The, 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 hot chicks. Fewer I hot chicks. Get, get rid of the hot chicks. Cause, Not as yeah. many people to make me uh, sundaes uh, that I like mm-hmm. to eat. So I, I'm going to just eliminate all of this wonderful things that my money can buy because... Google it and look at it. It's real. Do you have any actual answer to... What does that have to, to do with my question? You're, you're telling me to Google well, the Stones thing? you're asking thing? me to give you the psyche of... of 
No, I'm asking you, what what would the possible motivation be for me to eliminate the the people that are giving me all of these new advancements? That doesn't make any sense. Oh, they've got advancements much greater than what we've got. How'd they get them? Already. How'd they get them? Well, there's a lot of advancements that have been around forever. You know, the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. It's a, what? So are you telling me Moses had the a Bible, cell phone? The Bible tells us. Are you telling me that Moses had a cell phone? Oh, do you, they have been. Do you think I mean, that Noah had you, a GPS you, you, device you to find Mount Everest? Did Noah have an email address? Say again? You know, uh, there, there's UFOs in the Bible. There's nothing new under the sun. Uh, you know, I went wow. to a Christian school for nine years. They never took, they never, we never had the UFO lesson. Well, you must have went to a Catholic school. No, no, I went to a, um, actually it was Dutch Reform. Uh, yeah, they're busy setting up schools all over the place, but you wouldn't have known it. I didn't know what Dutch well, Reform was. So you have no wheel. real look, response. Look at Ezekiel and the wheel and a wheel. So you actually have no real response to what I thought Sam it was said. psilocybic mushrooms. Sir, you have no, re- no real uh, lo- logical, sensible response to what Sam had asked you about. Why, why they would want to stop us? Why they would want to stop progress? They benefit from all the little people doing their little things out there, making things and working and toiling and slaving so they can have wealth extracted from them to go to the elites. Why would they want to give up on that just to kill people? What's the point? Their scientists are way ahead of anything. Oh. You know, the, anything that we get. Oh, so they have their own is, scientists is and from them. you're telling me the elites have their own scientists and their own manufacturing base, so they'll just keep their sure. own little manufacturing base on the, like an island and, somewhere. I mean, yeah, that's just crazy. Do you Foundation? realize how crazy that sounds? It it doesn't well, even make sense. Thanks for the call. It's Benny in here with you and Sam and Mark. We tried. Guy didn't even can't even make a coherent point. All right, well, we'll see you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. We keep, we'll cover the BART thing some other time. All right, uh, see you tomorrow night, freetalklive.com. All right, so we're going to do a, a special podcast-only interview here tonight. Uh, our interviewee is Michael Trudeau, and I don't know if many of our listeners will know the name Michael Trudeau. In fact, uh, Michael, what, why don't you tell uh, Free Talk Live's listeners who you are? Sure. Well, I can give you a little bit of a background on me. I am a former broadcaster. I started my broadcasting career under the tutelage of Charles Kuralt, former CBS newsman. And uh, with Kuralt, I'd worked with him for several years and did quite a bit with his organization, you know, the Broadcasting Corporation. That kind of got me kicked off into it. He started my first show, which was a, a music show that I did. I got to spin discs, which was interesting because you're working for Charles Kuralt, one of the most noted talkers of all time, and you're a, a DJ under him, you know. <laughs> but um, I did a lot of uh, also work in finance uh, prior to my first initial meeting with Kuralt and was involved with um, several large precious metals firms as well as some uh, studies in economics. So overall, I guess when people say, what, what's your area of expertise, my area of expertise is uh, I'm a monetary specialist and an economic advisor. Now, you approached me and requested the interview, and normally when people approach Free Talk Live and request an interview, they get a very nice response saying, Go jump in a lake! <laughs> we, don't, we don't do interviews very often on this show. Thank you for the approach. We'll get back in touch with you if we have any interest. Uh, but you are a little bit different because you're somebody that kind of uh, has a history with Free Talk Live. You're one of the behind-the-scenes people that really helped us out in the very beginning days of our syndication. And I figured, well, you know, the least I can do is uh, put Michael Trudeau on uh, our program. So, Well, here- thanks for the kind words, but I'll tell you what, it was you guys who did everything. I mean, you know, think about it from this perspective. At that time, I was getting, you know, piles and piles of demos coming in from radio programs or well, I want to be a radio program host. 
And, you know, you'd burn through these things as, as fast as you could. Mm-hmm. It was such a joy to hit you guys because it was like, wow, hey, here's some guys that actually have some talent here. So I <laughs> yes. that generally what happens, you get a demo that's a one-hour program, and I listen to it for maybe two to three minutes, and then yeah. off it goes to the company skeet shoot bin. Yep. You guys I plugged in for five minutes and then took the CD out and brought it with me in the car listened to you all the way home. So That's good uh, to by know. the time I'd gotten home, I was like, man, I wish these guys were broadcasting in my local area so I could listen to this every day. Well, you certainly... guys did the work. And then looking at what you've done so far since then, nothing short of absolutely phenomenal and astounding, but thanks for the kind words. Well, uh, and it's good to have you back here on the show. I actually never had you on the show before, so good to have you here for the first time. But, but when you... Uh, yeah, would... just to, for cl- some clarification for the listeners, um, Michael Trudeau is the one who gave us a shot on GCN. He was the general manager. Is that right, Michael? Actually, I was the executive VP at the time. Yeah, whatever these terms are. <laughs> He's the guy who gave us the shot on GCN, got us on, got us syndicated, and uh, you know, it, it we w- wouldn't be here without that particular shot. So yep. thank you very much. There's no doubt well, about like I it. Say, nice to see how well you guys have done with it too. So, Michael, when you emailed me and we were talking about, well, what is what is it that you want to talk about with our listeners? And you said the you know the cashless society is one of those things, and I'm thinking, well. All right, what is it that Michael Trudeau can tell the Free Talk Live audience that, you know, they don't already know? Well, one of the things that I think is, uh, um, I guess, our, our, a larger attack of our liberty and our freedoms is being able to control our monetary policies and our monetary system. And in 1913, and I know a lot of your listeners are extremely astute and a lot of them will know this, but in 1913, the Federal Reserve Act was passed into law. And when that became law, that allowed for the the operation of the Federal Reserve to begin three years later, where they began to manufacture our currency for us and then loan it to the people in government, telling us of its value. They would regulate our value. Now, according to the Constitution, Congress will be the ones who authorizes the manufacture of currency and regulates its value, not a bunch of bankers who are a privately held entity. A lot of people don't realize that the Federal Reserve is not federal at all, but in fact is a for-profit corporation with stockholders. And when you start to understand that this is a for-profit corporation, a group of banks that is responsible for manufacturing our currency at their discretion, then the realization can come forward that says if that's accurate, they've got the ability then to expand or contract our economy at their whim. And that's exactly what they've been doing since 1916. Yep, and, and they continue to do it, and the value of the dollar continues to fall. But And I guess we've never really broached the whole idea of a cashless society outside the occasional phone caller on Free Talk Live suggesting that it's it's coming. And people have been saying it's coming, it's coming uh, forever. What makes you so hot on the idea? Why do you think that they're going to go cashless anytime soon? Well, I'd say that it's, they're, your callers are, like I say, are astute, and they're certainly correct. It's been coming for, for quite a while. Um, actually, the first card that actually came into um, use was the Chase Blink card, and it actually came into use a couple of years back. They started to pass it out to folks in Philadelphia and New York City and told them to use this in place of cash. Now, of course, that is the very first time that we have one of those cards out there. This is not a debit card, mind you, per se, like it would be from your local bank account, but it's similar to that. The difference is, is that with this Blink card, and now there's several versions, MasterCard's got their PayPass out there, and we've seen the advertisements for that, but we'll get into that in a second. The difference is, is that this requires absolutely no signature, it requires no PIN number of any kind, and you generate no receipt. So you're literally walking up to a scanner with your products, waving your card in front of the scanner and walking away. And it certainly, you know, from the outside looks very convenient, and it certainly speeds things up in the, in the world of commerce. The problem begins right off the bat. The first inherent problem is, well, if it's that easy, what if you drop your card on the way out the store? Yeah. Somebody you know, pick up the card and they can do the same thing, and the answer to that is yes. 
So that's one of the first inherent problems. But you'd think that you know banks like Chase and and you know companies like Mastercard would have probably seen that problem coming a ways out. Before you before you continue, have. I I have to say I don't I don't watch television, so I've never seen these spots. I'm, I was completely unaware of this. The Blink concept, this thing you're talking about. You're saying it is not tied to a bank account? Is it like a prepaid, uh, like a prepaid credit card kind of thing? Or? No, it is. T- it is tied to your bank account, it but is. it is more like a credit card. And again, the difference is with my bank account debit card, I still have to sign for every purchase, or I have to use my PIN number, and there's a receipt generated every time. Right. The PIN number is your. That's how you are identified when it's a debit card. In fact, uh, I never have to sign when I use a debit card because of the PIN number. That is essentially your your signature, as I understand it. So you're saying Correct. they're taking that away and that waving this blink card in front of the you know whatever the scanner is will just simply re- remove the cash from uh, the money from your account and that's it and that's all and place it into the account of the seller that's accurate and that's right. done through an RFID microchip that contains all of your information uh, there's inherent problems that would make people uncomfortable with that for instance one of the things that we all know about computers and radio is that it's pretty easy to hack into both so if I've got a radio frequency ID chip and a card that has all of my banking information or my medical history or everything else, you could literally have somebody with some type of a scanner because they've already been hacking these things within a matter of uh, um, maybe 50 feet away from you, packing your personal information as you're walking by. So that, again, you know, that, uh, that, that's innocuous as far as a, a side symptom of, of where the problems are going to be. But I think in reality, the, the whole picture is where the problem is, which is, hey, these guys are going cashless so they can track every single transaction we make 100%, and that's definitely a problem. Now, how are they going to actually implement this? I mean, because a lot of people have a lot of cash out there in society. I mean, some people might have it buried in their backyard or in a safe sure. somewhere. Uh, is the government going to come down with some sort of edict that says, all right, this is it. Your cash will no longer be good after X, you know, X, X, exactly. after this certain that's date. That's exactly correct, and that's very astute there as well. One of the things you can look to is that you can see that there's already some kind of a conditioning phase for that now. And it started back you know, in the late 80s with the Omnibus Drug Smuggling Act. Then what they had said was, hey, we've got this major problem with drug money laundering, so what we're going to do is we're going to revamp the currency and throw in some security codes and change the money, and they did just that. They took all of the money out of currency or out of uh, circulation and replaced it with the new currency that had some security features. A couple of years later, they said, geez, this isn't effective. We're going to do it again. So they pulled all that currency back, all those the ones with the bigger portraits and the watermarks and so on and mm-hmm. the little microprinting, and now they replaced them with the same type of bills, only now they're colored currency bills. Right. So as, as, as they're doing this, they're telling us that this is because there's money launderers and huge problems with counterfeiting. And one of the things I wondered as I watched them talk about this major counterfeiting problem, they've referenced this so many times, I thought, boy, by now you'd think they'd be able to parade a few counterfeiters across the television screen. Yeah, you'd think. But not a one. The only thing they've caught so far is a couple of high school or college kids printing bogus 20s on the school. Yeah, those are the only stories I've ever seen. You're right. Right, right. So then you realize that the expense it would take to revamp the nation's currency supply twice like that would be very exorbitant. You'd have to revamp all of the machinery that would accept these currencies and so on. And you think, well, if it's not really for this counterfeiting problem, what else is it unless it's to feed you a line that says, hey, we've really got this problem that we can't get a handle on, but here's the solution. We're going to take currency out of the system altogether. Now we're going to put this onto these chips, these microchips, and it's all 100% trackable. And these guys over in Iran and so on can't counterfeit our currency anymore and flood it back into our country. You know, I see, Michael, where you're coming from. And 
allow me to be, continue to be skeptical here. Uh, because, uh, you know, you're, you're saying that they've, they've been taking these steps all along the path. And, but it seems like where they are now to going cashless is still a pretty big jump. I mean, are they going to need some sort of event to, uh, I don't know, te- I don't think terrorism would be the event, but whatever. I mean, I'd like to hear you speculate. How about an, econ- how about an economic collapse as an event? To where a basically the free fall, just like we're having now, goes into a full-blown depression. Then they go into hyperinflation with the currency, similar to what we saw in the Weimar Republic of Germany, because that's the track we've been following with our monetary supply. And and the, we're, of course you're seeing it right now in uh, Zimbabwe, and maybe that. And now let me see if I can extrapolate what you're saying here. You're saying that if or in the event of hyperinflation, that the government might just basically say, "All right, well, uh, it's too much of a pain to print all these new bills up because." Uh, Zimbabwe, a lot of the news out of there has been that uh, the Zimbabwean uh, currency keeps having to be in, uh, incremented. So they'll add a zero and they'll add a zero. And, you know, they're basically creating brand new bills that they're printing out like crazy so people can go buy a loaf of bread. You're saying that in order to uh, to cover up some of that hyperinflation, they would basically just say, well, the monetary system's so bad, we're going to have to just stop printing the money and it'll stop being valid after this certain date. And you'll just have to use your credit card or your blink card or your... Right, and here's the new currency, and it's going to be in the form of ones and zeros this time in digital format. Everybody mm-hmm. understands the digital age now. And the difference, of course, is, is that this is something that cannot be counterfeited. It cannot be you know, hacked, it can't, and they'll go through that whole litany. One of the things that's interesting about this conditioning aspect is if you – and you may not have seen these yourself, but I do a lot of research by watching a lot of the mainstream news programs, Fox News, CNN, not because I'm you know, buying into the hyperbole there, but because mm-hmm. I want to see where you know, these guys are going with their stories – is you see a tremendous influx of these commercials now showing us the people using these automatic cards. And it's interesting because they they do it by showing you beautiful scenery with colors that are exorbitant and this beautiful music playing in the background. All these people are shopping in this wonderful environment, and they're whipping their cards out and going one right after the other through the line. And then all of a sudden, about the fifth guy in line has to fumble for cash, and the music starts to slow down, and it Mm. goes from color to black and white, and everybody gets scowls on their faces and looks at this person like you're a scourge on society. Huh. because you're in these antiquated, archaic ways, and you're slowing us all down. Yeah. Yes, I often feel like that guy, uh, because I I'm, I'm, you know, I often use cash, and I do I do find myself fumbling with it, and I say, this uh, this looks like the Visa commercial, you know, uh, to, to sort of you know, dis, dispel some of that stuff. I, I often say that to the cashier. And I just think that when you start to see this, that we're being sold this, not something that's really to our benefit. I think it's something that's going to be very detrimental to so, us. So when they, when they flip the switch and they, whatever the excuse, probably going to be the hyperinflation thing, but uh, when they flip the switch over and they say, all right, after this date, we're not accepting cash anymore at the federal government, and essentially at that point all their corporations, which of course corporations are creations of the state, and the state of course being a corporation on its own, but uh, all legal fictions, but essentially you know, Walmart and all these other big corporations are going to fall right in line because if the federal government says, okay, well, you can no longer accept cash by after this date, then they're going to stop accepting cash after that date, and if all the major corporations aren't accepting cash anymore – then it will, uh, you know, it won't really have much street value for whatever else is left out there. I mean, the, the, people only accept money or they only accept the Federal Reserve notes because it, they believe that it has value. Exactly. We all Correct. know it doesn't. 
That's exactly correct. And when you mention Walmart, that's a perfect example of what I want to bring up next, which is if you go to some of these major stores out there, you're seeing now that all of them have become 100% compliant for these RFID microchips. They've all got the scanners in place. You can walk up to any cash register now just about in any store in America, and they've got that little thing sitting right there. You swipe your card to it, and off you go. And there's sections now of, like, for instance, Walmart or the larger retailers where they've got the self-checkout, and that is just using those cards, and that's it. You walk right up, scan them, walk out with your product, and you're done. These stores are already ready to fly for the new currency. Now, um, Michael, as, as far as practicality goes, if this uh, currency, this cashless uh, card you're talking about isn't, uh, isn't practical, then it won't work. I mean, like, people will just revolt. Now, it sounds to me like there's a couple of problems. First off, I don't I didn't hear you say anything like the uh, credit, like they would be guaranteed like a credit card. You're only uh, with a credit card. You're only liable for 50 bucks if you lose it, according right. to federal law. And secondly, if there if an RFID reader is swiping these cards, then an RFID reader could steal the numbers um, right out of it, which means that I could go use this cashless uh, card on the Internet t- to buy anything I want to buy. So they're extraordinarily easy to steal um, so far. And that's 100 percent correct. And that's why I say there's there's. A very interesting aspect to this, which is, you know, again, if you find this card on the street, I can pick it up and start using it willy-nilly. You have to be imagining that these major corporations and banks certainly saw that part coming. You'd think. And knew that that was going to be a part of the uh, problem that they would also be able to come up with a solution for. Well, and that's what I want to talk about right now is solutions, because on, on Free Talk Live, it's easy for us to identify all the problems, government and oppression and all of the terrible things going on in the world. But to talk about solutions is something that we find important on the program instead of just being, you know, uh, just doomsayers, essentially. So what do you think the solution is here? I mean, obviously, there's going to be a lot of the underground economy is live and well in America, and it's fueled currently by cash. But if cash is on the outs, then what do you see coming into play for the underground economy? Because people aren't going to stop buying bags of weed and, th- you know, they're not going to stop paying right. the uh, the shade tree right. well, plumbers. I'll tell you what, it's interesting you bring that up because I've been reading articles, and I mean, I do a lot of research for the articles I write, and it's funny to see the various articles that are popping up now in interesting numbers regarding the amount of people that are now bartering products or services with each other for equal value products or services. And I start to look at that and realize, hey, the barter economy is really starting to take off and become alive and well in America, and that's a good thing. Well, barter's value, valuable to some extent, but we know that uh, money is very, really useful because it is that uh, that go-between. Uh, you know, if, if I'm selling co- if coconuts and you don't need coconuts, but you would, uh, but you would like something else, uh, then the money can allow us to transact business without having to have two things we want to trade. So, are you seeing maybe uh, possibly silver and gold making a comeback? There has been such an influx in in the amount of gold and silver that's being sold right now, not only just in America, but globally, that there are shortages everywhere. Most of the major mints in the world have shut down production and suspended all sales. Uh, And if they haven't suspended all sales, they've certainly limited and suspended quite a few of those sales. And that's because there's a tremendous flight right now to quality. And what's interesting is that the sales that I personally am seeing is a tremendous rise in the sale of material that people would be using for that type of a barter-type situation. So, in other words, just like you would mentioned, silver is one of the big things. Mm -hmm. You see a tremendous amount of um, the old silver dollars and silver half dollars and silver quarters and dimes being moved today um, across these markets. And I think that's probably really spelling out that people are thinking, hey, this may come to that, and we know that certainly in the past it has come to that, and this is one of those things that you can gear up and be ready for. 
Now, um, the the price of gold and silver are, if right now, as far as the uh, the Nonex, is that what it's called, Nomex? Well, the spot price is different from the actual going value. Well, right? it, it, I, I guess it is right now. Yeah. Um, you can't get silver coins for what um, anywhere near spot price because, as he says, they're they're uh, you know sort of low uh, the the supplies. But and, it's a, and you know that's a real easy thing to see because when you look at how the math plays out, it's real simple. Because if you say to somebody, well, you know, what do you have there? And they say, well, I've got these dollars these silver dollars, and I've got them because I think the economy's crashing, the dollars become worthless and, or will be, and I've got to be able to barter with that. And you ask them, hey, you want to sell those to me? <laughs> well, they just answered you. Yeah. And at that point, you say, well, listen, if I gave you double the value, would you sell them? It comes down to how afraid are they that this is happening, and if they're you know fully uh, convinced that it is coming to that, they're not going to let those things go for any money. And if it right. does, it's going to be a very large amount. So that's where you're seeing those premiums rise on physical possession, where the comics is saying, "Oh no, the spot price is really low." Well, you mentioned numismatics, which are collectors' coins essentially, um, and that makes sense. I mean, I can I can see numismatics from that point, and they have a sort of a different market than uh, bullion, but it wouldn't be difficult for someone to buy up silver at uh, what ten dollars and 75 cents or whatever it's sitting at right now and create some new coins if i mean if the going price of silver is 1075 then somebody's getting it somewhere someone's got enough to to, to thwack down a uh, hundred grand and say i'm going to get this silver and we're going to make some coins out of it and i'm going to sell it to people at 15 dollars. i mean here's an opportunity in the market to to sell coins when do you expect to see that happen that's happening now, and you don't even have to do it that way because you can certainly come in and say, well, listen, I'm going to buy you know this amount of dimes, uh, this this amount of silver dimes, so the coins there are silver and they've already been manufactured, so you don't have to do the manufacturing aspect of it. And simply now that we're seeing the, the market tightening up as people have, have scrambled to get what there is, those premiums rise, and the folks that are holding on to that for profit are liquidating for those profits now, and that's something that's just you know a, a part of the market. Not everybody's looking at this and saying, well, I'm going to own for the aspect of protection or barter. Some people have done it for profit, and they've done sure. well. And, I, you know, and I don't begrudge anybody that I, at all. I think that's probably a fine thing to do. People make investments in all kinds of things. I'm more along the lines of protection for my money for what I've got. It makes um, it makes sense. The uh, I mean, some people right now things are economically hard and they need to liquidate the gold and silver they have in order to pay some bills or um, that are coming due or something like that. Yeah, and it's important to remember that when we talk about numismatics, that that's a really broad brush. And you can take a look at one coin as a numismatic that is a VF or a crummy circulated graded coin that looks not very eye-appealing and so on, and it might be a one-ounce gold piece that trades real close to what bullion value is, and then the same exact numismatic in a much higher grade could trade for $10,000. And the point is, if you're buying it for the protection aspect, you wouldn't want the $10,000 version. You'd want the lowest grade you could get, or in other words, the lowest premium that you would have to pay above the gold content or above the silver content. Makes so sense. I'd say, you know, stick with the circulated stuff in this in this situation than anything that's graded. So when you're getting stuff for protect, uh, numismatics for protection, you're not doing it for the purpose of uh, finding the, the shiniest, brightest, you most perfect Eisenhower dime or whatever they Sure, they because if you think about the math on that and you have to pay, let's take a look at the two Eisenhower dimes then, and one's that really is shiny, beautiful, a Roosevelt dime, we should say, and it's really oh, is it? uh, shiny and, and really valuable and you know, rare coin, but it still weighs the exact same amount as the, the you know one that was used for money and got all worn and scraped up and so on. So if it now comes down to trading for loaves of bread, they're going to give you a scale and say, yeah, that one sure is pretty. Put it on the scale and I'll tell you what she weighs. So just as if it was the ugly one. Michael, you mentioned uh, you'd written some articles. How can our listeners uh, go and read some of those things? Folks who are interested, I'd simply you know, send them out to anybody that has any interest. I've got an article on the coming cashless society and how it can be circumvented. 
uh, as well as another one that I've written called Barter Economics 101 that talks a little bit about that barter economy. And folks who are interested in getting a copy of it, I'd mail it to them free of charge. They just call me. I've got a toll-free number, and it's one 800 685 Four zero four two. Again, that's eight hundred six eight five forty forty two. And we just, like I say, send it out to anybody who's interested. All right, great. Well, you know, it's. Uh, I, I wish you good luck out there in uh, what you're continuing to do, and that's uh, get this word out there uh, because it does seem to be going in that direction. I mean, all the evidence that you pointed out. It seems relatively Cashless conclusive. society makes perfectly good sense for the state, for the yeah. state, and uh, you know, not so much sense for, for us. us right. And I don't. I, I, w- I would think that they would have to iron out whatever problems there's going to be with the cashless society. But that doesn't mean that they won't have the problems in the beginning because they're not incentivized in the same way we are. Uh, Michael, and any other thoughts? Remember that these guys love to create problems that they can come up and say, "I've got a solution for you." Yep, sure enough, and that's the problem. That's the uh, pattern we see over and over again. So, Michael Trudeau, good having you on Free Talk Live, and I thank you for coming on tonight. You bet, guys, and good luck in the future for you guys as well. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Bye bye. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.